This is an Alliance podcast. We are back. Welcome to the episode of the Culture Podcast. We try it one more time. I'm usually pretty good, good with that. Sir. Hey. That's preseason form. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, it's been a minute. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Back, baby. Welcome to another episode of the Florida Culture Podcast, soccer podcast for us, by us. Talk about the intersection of black culture and soccer. Got your boy here, Grego here. Wait a minute. Y'all don't look like TK and Coach. Y'all, y'all look kind of different, man. Um, I, 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 I think hey, I, not I, all I, black people look alike, man. Hey, man, hey, listen. Where's <laughs> the MLS and the Portland Thorn? <laughs> man. You know what? It's uh, we, we we went on break for a few weeks, and you know, uh, people everyone was like, you know what? I, I need a little bit more more of a break, but you know, the, the season in, in Europe is, is getting going, and got a lot to talk about, man. Like I, I I've really been looking forward to this episode, and uh, to join us this week, of course, you know the the voice over here to my to my right over here is the host of co-host of River City 93, the host of Can I Kick It FC, you know, resident shit talker extraordinaire, Elliot Yogi. Sir, sir, let, let's, let's, late. sir, let's not cap this, this early in the season, man. Let's not do that. I'm a Christian, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How you been, man? I've been chilling, man. You know, enjoying the kicker season so far. Um, Season three of Can I Kick It? We're working on the behind the closed door, so I'm chilling, man. Just enjoying. Yeah, man. Here. Yeah, man. Can I Kick It's been uh, been making some really uh, positive steps, and um, so hopefully we can uh, get up in on that uh, in, in the next few weeks and months and everything. And uh, you know, it's, y'all, like I said, y'all, y'all, just we don't do, do your thing, man. Uh, uh, but our third partner down here, someone I've been honestly been a big fan of for years. You know, just. Just his uh, views on uh, World Soccer Talk podcast, and um, you know, definitely with the European season starting up, we figured that you know he'd be a great person to kind of talk about like what's been going on with the TV networks because a lot of changes happened on this past year. We got a card at Krishnair. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Great to be with you. Great uh, to have you back after uh, a little bit of a break, and uh, let's get let's get this ball rolling. Speaking of breaks, I, I, I heard this rumor uh, about you, Cardi. I heard you, you didn't watch any soccer on Sunday. Yeah, I was so c- consumed by by political stuff and COVID. First first Sunday in like two decades, I haven't watched uh, didn't watch any soccer, and I didn't watch any other sports either. So it was it was quite bizarre. That that will change again this week. So uh, first time in a while, but I did catch up on everything that happened, including. East Marseille, which was kind of glad I didn't watch that live. Dude, dude, like, hey, yeah. that was about to be another Malice in the Palace. I, I, I heard on Twitter that he called like "No Peace in Nice" because let's 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 jump into that real quick because uh, that's definitely something that, especially as we jump into the big news while we were gone, uh, 
League of Legends, you know, been in the news a bit lately. So um, on on Sunday, uh, we had uh, uh, Nice versus Marseille um, in League on, and uh, I'm not even sure what minute it was, but uh, someone from the Nice uh, supporter section threw a um, bottle at uh, Dimitri Payet. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you try to just brush off those kind of things. You try to just, you know, say, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn the other cheek and just keep this thing going. Paya said, like, I got that smoke 40-40. And he threw, I think it was two bottles in, into the section. And <laughs> and um, I guess that, that second bottle hit. Cause I think the first one just, like, it didn't go anywhere. But that second one, that one landed. And basically what we ended up was with a, a full-on melee uh, between uh, the supporters and and uh, and these, and of course you have and these players. You know, they're trying to like you know be a buffer, and that didn't that didn't work out too well. That didn't work out too well at all. Ugly, ugly scenes, yeah. and it, it, yeah, the uh, the Ron Artest uh, in the palace. The, that image came to us right as, as as we're as we're watching this, and there have been other incidents like this, but nothing quite quite this dramatic and, and so much of it was these are these are rival clubs they're close geographically and it's been 18 months since there have been fans and or that many fans uh, in the stands anywhere in Europe so or anywhere in Western Europe it just spilled over we saw some uh, ugly stuff remember last year in the Chelsea Leicester game at the end of the yeah. season I said last year was two months ago or three months ago that was the first game where they had some fans back at Stamford Bridge and there was fourth place on the line in the Premier League right the Champions League spot and it kind of got unglued, un- unhinged in that match right the fans, not, there was no, um, there was nothing like this, but it's been boiling over. So hopefully this is uh, this is this is the end of it. But I, I have a bad feeling this is going to continue to happen uh, this year because there's been so much pent up frustrations, people <laughs> out of the ground, and just uh, anger and and kind of this sort of stuff in the air. You know, it actually reminds me of uh, the things that have been happening um, during the. Uh, the, in the NBA uh, last season, like you had, you know, still with uh, Russell Westbrook and a oh, couple yeah. of other instances as well. It's like, and like you said, like I, I definitely think, especially coming uh, off of this pandemic that is still going and getting even worse, but we'll touch on that later. Um, like you basically have fans who are, are dealing with just as much pent up frustration. And yeah, like I, I, I think that obviously in this case, you know, it, it, it blew over in a big way, in a massive way. Because you basically had, like, I, I think that's probably easily, like, 70 to 100 supporters that ended up on the pitch and ready, and ready to go. And, I think, you know, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't know. I was just going to say, like, what this really just comes down to, there's really two things I take away from this. One, League On did a horrible job of taking care of the situation. One, because the refs see the players get hit with stuff and at no point thought about stopping the game at that point. Um, when the game was stopped, Marseille players, like, the game should have been stopped. Like, it should have been stopped. Like, all right, we're not going to war points. Instead, the league, quote-unquote, told the Marseille players, like, hey, like, we're going to take a 15-minute break, go in the locker room. Told them, like, hey, we're going to call the game. And then decided to change their mind after the Marseille player Shire got on the bus because I think it was when Doozy, a couple of other players, like, <laughs> and mentally in your head, like, you're not ready to go back out there because you don't know 
whether or not like you can clearly see an image you don't know whether or not um denise staff can control their supporters yeah and yeah for pretty much the league to award me three points after their supporters done this just sets a bad precedent because now it's just like every other supporter group now from now on it could be like oh well if we storm we, the field and get the other team that to come back out we can get three points just like that and uh it's it's definitely a it's, it's it honestly like the, the last i don't want like the past year for league on has been kind of interesting um both from just they're fighting for i think their spot in europe so to speak because you have you've had this run of dominance by psg of course uh, Lille, they won the league last year but What's the situation in, in France now as far as their TV goes? Because, like, are, had they ever fought a, a, a TV deal yet? Yeah, so obviously what happened when we, uh, with the media pro deal fell apart. So then that really affected them financially in addition to COVID. They did a temporary deal to give uh, Canal Plus and uh, BN the domestic rights. And now um, they're – they're in transition where it looks like they're going to do another deal potentially with Amazon Prime for domestic mm-hmm. rights, uh, which will which will give them some more money, but nothing like the Media Pro deal. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then they've also had this situation where because that Media Pro deal went so bad, they had Bordeaux um, kind of kind of just go belly up, really struggling. Uh, Toulouse has been fun- struggling financially; they're in the second division, and. Uh, it's just not been a good time, as you as you mentioned, for for the league. But of course, I know we're going to get to this. They uh, they have one big shiny object that they can uh, they can use to turn this thing around. But uh, on the point that they're fighting for a place in Europe, it's still pretty remarkable that we call it a big five leagues, and the other four leagues all have four automatic spots in Champions League. Yet uh, France has two and a half. Basically, they, uh, Monaco is in a playoff right now uh, with Shakhtar for that uh, for for uh, what would be a third spot for France. Yeah, I, I think that. Like matter of fact, we uh, we had a conversation about, about uh, League on a, a few days ago, and like for the life of me, like between PSG, Marseille, Lyon, Monaco. Montpellier, like if if the money was ever there to to invest in league on, like there's already made like big four, five or six, like ready made. It's just a matter of there's yeah. just no money outside of PSG, and it's 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 unfortunate because like if anyone's like managed to watch BN or has a financial account to watch uh, league on, like. There, there, there's a lot of good stuff there to to catch. It's just, you know, it's it's hard to reach because hardly any carriers carry um, BN. So it's, it's it's few people catch it. And it's the best league in terms of uh, bringing talent from Africa, uh, bringing talent from uh, from both uh, sub-Saharan African, uh, particularly West Africa, the, the former French colonies, and yep. North Africa from the, from uh, the Middle East and North Africa, and developing that talent and getting them to play at a high level. So many of the guys that people fall in love with in the Premier League or Serie A or La Liga came through. Uh, came through Liga. Even some of the, the stars in the Bundesliga came through Liga. So it's a it's a great league to watch, but the investment hasn't been there. And I guess uh, the, 
the the relationship would be in has also prevented it from becoming mainstream in this country. Although, I guess PSG now between the Jordan brand and and uh, the players they have may be breaking through that. And and uh, that's another strategic thing I think besides the, the TV deal uh, or TV stuff that that PSG is the one uh, European soccer club with the jump man yeah. you know which uh which sells it sells jerseys in the u.s it sells kits in europe i mean there's no two ways about that it there's a, there's a certain appeal um maybe that's a, a, a conversation for another day how michael jordan created this brand appeal that other athletes on jordan's level never really never have um that's uh that's my childhood right air jordan yeah yeah absolutely i i, I think that just with where between, of course, the, the allure of Paris and I think that the branding of PSG uh, prior to Jordan, you know, the, the uh, Hector uh, strike going in the middle, like it's yeah. it's simple and classy. And, of course, now with there there is no strike this year, which I think has caused a lot of a lot of uproar with the, with the local supporters. But it's, it's definitely uh, just the association has gone has uh, definitely picked up some steam. I think uh, I think Jordan's outfitting like I think the home and away uh, kits this year, and it's uh, it's definitely become a big thing. And of course, with their new shiny toy in the um, in in the in the showroom, uh, it's only it's only gonna get bigger. Uh, so think about that: the marriage of Messi with the Jordan brand. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty powerful. No, uh, I need a it, pair of Messi ones. I, <laughs> Yo, do you think? Do you think Jordan can get Messi to leave Adidas? At this point, no. But I think just the fact that you have, you know, a player as big as Messi wearing Jordan, like I, I said it on Twitter the other day, like like Messi's probably Jordan's best partner since Scotty. And yeah, yeah, yeah that's spot on. Because like, because. You know, if I'm Jordan, yo, I'm telling Massey, like, look, we could give you the LeBron treatment. You can have your own wing in, in Nike. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm going to give you a smooth 50 mil. You can build this however you want. It's yours. Man, I, I just I, I want to say, like, in the, in the last two weeks that they've raked in over, I know it's like over 88 million in Jersey sales. And, <laughs> like, the, the, like every out out uh, supplier has been running low on messy jerseys, and you know it's it's uh, definitely a big deal. And I think uh, especially for the people who like watching uh, BN Sports here, like uh, you probably you probably through PS through the league a, a lifeline because without uh, Messi at PSG, like even the, even though they have Mbappe, even though they have uh, Neymar. That might not have been enough to be like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to invest in, you know, I'm gonna re- renew my finances account, and okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch some games this year, but um, like, let's let's let's, let's get up in this real look real quick because while we were gone, uh, Leo joined PSG, like just a whole. Let, let's 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 rewind real quick because what happened between. Cause I think it was like what June where they said like, okay, we're going to do like a five year deal with, with Barcelona. And once, once he got back from Copa America duty and, uh, and, uh, Miss holiday, he was like, you know what? 
I think this is a, isn't going to work now. What 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 was your perspective on things, Carter? Yeah, the salary cap that La Liga is put in place. They're enforcing. Now is, that, is, now is that new this year? That's new this year. Yeah. Okay. So so but we thought what would happen is that PSG, uh, sorry, that Barcelona would just dump a bunch of guys, uh, and and cut payroll, and that Messi would take half the salary. That's what it sounded like, but. Um, they weren't able to make the numbers work, uh, Barcelona. And, and, and my understanding is they still have some cap compliance issues. The thing about this is, as I think back to when salary caps, I guess when I was a kid, the NBA always had a salary cap. So that was, mm-hmm. uh, that, that I don't, I'm not quite sure how that was implemented. But when the salary cap got implemented in the NFL, I remember there were a couple of years where there was a transition where you had to get, you had to get your cap Right, and then the same thing with MLS because MLS started out with they always had a cap, but they didn't really enforce it the first few years. Um, so La Liga coming in hard like this um, really surprised me. But at the same time, I guess they're in a position where they have had the rest of the league fall into kind of financial ruin because right. they've been forced to compete with Barcelona and Real Madrid. So the league will be more competitive now, but oh, they've absolutely. lost their marketing. They've lost their best marketing tools between Ronaldo and Messi. As you mentioned that, because uh, we're going to touch on that in, in a little bit. Um, I think that, if, for, first of all, for those of y'all watching this on, on YouTube, this picture right here of Messi, and mind you, they also grabbed Sergio Ramos. <laughs> Talk about epic rivals at Barcelona <laughs> and Real. And they're just over here just laughing like, yo, can you believe that we're on the same team right now? Like, 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 and what world does that even make hey, this sense? This is a picture of two different things. Rommel is there clearly for a check. Yeah. And Messi is there for a Champions League. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much else that, that Ramos can do. But, yeah, I definitely think that just the whole um, the whole dynamic of – and mind you, they didn't have to spend a whole lot of money because Messi came on a free, Ramos came on a free. Uh, they also uh, bought Gigi Donnarumma from AC Milan. He came on a free. Uh, I think the most they spent was uh, was when all of them came on the free. free. Yeah, when all of them came on the free, like PSG literally bought a FIFA Ultimate Team (laughs) for nothing. Yeah, and it it, is have like you know what this my fault. You know what this PSG team remind me of? Like the LeBron, the LeBron Heat team when they first got all together. Mm -hmm. Like on two K, everyone was like, "Bro, if you pick the Heat, I'm not playing with you." (laughs) Does <laughs> anyone that picks PSG and FIFA, bro, I'm not playing with you. We're not yeah. I think between them and Chelsea, it's going to be kind of unfair for a lot of well, people. Wijnaldum thing, that, that that's actually an interesting that, – that may have been the tip-off tr- trouble Barcelona was in because we had assumed the whole second half of the season that Liverpool yeah. was signing with Barcelona. That's right. That sure and was. then he, he shows up at PSG, yeah, and true. we should have realized at that point, Barcelona doesn't have any money under the cap to sign anyone. You know, it's 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 definitely something that, um, especially with uh, La Liga, they're jumping into a new deal with uh, with uh, ESPN. Uh, their whole coverage will be on ESPN Plus. Of course, they have a few um, games on ABC. I think they just had one this past week on, on ABC, yeah. yeah, and um, and a few games on ESPN. Like, you know, with without Messi, like it's 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 going to be real uh, real tough. Um, but uh, I definitely think as far as uh, PSG goes, like, especially if they can manage to keep Mbappe, like, they're, they're, 
it, there obviously will be must-see TV. But uh, I, the, the situation at Barcelona is definitely just wild to me because I think the I, I think the deal that they had um, they supposedly agreed to back in June was for was to like like fifty percent of, of his existing salary. Of course, mind you, but those of y'all who forgot, uh, this guy was making he had like a six hundred million dollar contract for four years. So like he he clocked like a good. I think, I think my math was like like 150 million a year, and mind you, cut that in half, and you still like like 77 million. So, what 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 happened between Barcelona and Messi? Honestly, I think he's only making like like 40 million at PSG this year. So, I don't know if it's a case of like where they didn't think to cut it cut it down even more. Part of that's kind of weird to me because so this is what happened at Barcelona. From my okay, opinion. correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, this is the makes the most sense. It's fine to pay Messi what he is because Messi's done what he's done. Mm-hmm. When you play players like Kevin Prince Boateng, Philip Coutinho, Usman Dembele, these astronomical wages, mm-hmm. and they haven't produced, that's when you get into trouble because like Philip Coutinho's contract. When we when he first left Liverpool, we were all like, "All right, cool, we get it." But the fact that he never really lived up to that contract, and now he's like, he, "You're pretty much stuck with this 360k a week wage, and you got to just loan him out. You can't sell him." Because who's going to buy that? It was like exactly, and the player like this is the thing like. I'm never going to fault a player for turning out a contract. Like, mm. if you're willing to pay me $360 to sit my butt on the bench, damn right I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to sit right here. Osman Belly, I feel like, yo, I don't think this man hamstring is really hurt. He just knows how to pimp the system. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird because it's like even, even, like, with France, like, I think I, I, think I heard during, during, during the Euros this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but, um, yeah and he was playing yeah. well in that game. He came on and he got hurt in, like, the 87th minute. That was a game against Hungary. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, he's adding a dimension to France. And then he, he, play, he played 30 minutes, I think, of the whole tournament because of that. Yeah, and it's, it's just wild. But, like, I know that uh, um, uh, PK, he took a pay cut. I think he just announced that Jordi Alba uh, took a pay cut um, this this time past week. Like Barcelona is in in really tough shape right now, and out like going back to what you're saying, Yogi. Like you can also like go back to like like the deal that they made um, when they sent uh, Eto to uh, to Inter Milan uh, for and got Ibra in in return. Like I think they still had to pay like seventy million for that. It was like, how does that even make sense? But that's like that's kind of the kind of spending that they're see, making. Like, even like that situation, yeah. But even like that situation, you can understand it because PA. I mean, Barcelona still was producing Champions League level play. Mm-hmm. I think the deal that really ruined Barcelona and made them like more Real Madrid than what they want to say they are. Yes. When Messi yes. and Neymar went to Barcelona, I mean, went to PSG, right? And they yeah. got that money, and instead of just sitting on it and just be like, all right. We still have more than enough to win La Liga. Let's sit on this money. Let's kind of pay out the coppers. They went out and spent that money on subpar talent. That and uh, for the longest, like you had 
these players from their their famed academy system, La, La Masia, and suddenly it was like those players weren't cranking out like like they like they were, and that was just like it was a stopgap. Yeah, it was a stopgap. It's it it became how can I put this? Um, no, nobody was was turning over like like they should. You, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Real Madrid earlier because I definitely think that. In effect, they tried to become a super team, and they weren't that good at it. No, no, because so the thing is, like Real Madrid is built for that. They had a Galacticos era, even yeah, like Real Madrid is built to do that. So even if, like, if one superstar don't work, all right, fine, we'll let you go. We'll bring another one in. Barcelona has been built as like homegrown talent, mm-hmm. and when Barcelona got away with that, away from that. You can kind of tell, like the whole ethos of the club, just kind of just start going away. Absolutely, uh, yeah, ahead. totally. I think that the DNA of Barcelona, a, a style of play, a type of player they have, a type of personality in the dressing room they have. Real Madrid's always been kind of this hodgepodge, this dream team of of of, of various guys that you bring in. I mean, if you think about American sports, they're they're kind of like. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're kind. They're they're kind of like the Yankees, right? right. So it's not. It, 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 it's not a that Galactico thing is not something you can replicate at a club like Barcelona that also has a very strong Catalan identity with the players coming through La Masia, and they just they they, they tried to. I think you're absolutely right. The, the Neymar money is what ruined it because at that point they got 220 million euros and they started spending it wildly on guys that plainly didn't fit the kind of guys Real. Madrid in the past would buy. So they've lost their DNA. The ethos is, is is gone. And now they've got salary restrictions and they've got beyond the salary cap, they got financial problems, right? The reason they're, they're having problems with the cap is because they have financial problems to begin with. So I don't know. It's, it looks yeah, like going circle. You got financial problems because you're in debt. You're in debt because you got financial problems. It's just, you just keep yeah. going just every and, circle of debt. And for those of y'all who, who haven't been keeping up, I think the, the the debt tab at, at Barcelona is like like one point three billion, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's and they can't sell a soul. It's it's gonna be some some lean months, and, and like actually, I went off uh, one of your um, recommendations. Uh, I watched Galacticos on uh, ESPN Plus, Cardic, and yes, it's funny. Like when you when you watch that, especially everything that happened this year with the Super League plan, like you can honestly tell, like that mentality was was in place back then, and. It's just a matter of like it. It, yeah. it got to a point, especially like if you if you look at um, like um, the transfers that have co- that have gone on um, this past summer. Like England's good; it, they spent like over a billion dollars in transfer fees. But I think Spain's spent like a, like one hundred fifty million. Um, I think uh, uh, Italy's spent like. 40 something like no no that's not germany and italy spent like like a hundred like you could easily tell at least with with spain and italy why they were pressing so hard for the super league because clearly they're broke and they need money in a way it it was even before that because like you can go back to the 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 recession like italy's been been wrecked for a while and i definitely think that uh that 
that Spain, it finally just hit Spain. It's like, yeah, like we can't spend anymore. Like, when's the last time you heard uh, Ron Riel spending big on players? Of course, mind you, today we'll we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, but you know, but, but just going back on uh, what um, something that you mentioned earlier, Kartik, as far as like who uh, La Liga kind of leans on it because now we're we're in the post Messi, post Ronaldo La Liga now. So, like, especially, like, with La Liga coming to ESPN, like, who do they, you know, lean their head on and say, like, like, like hey, you should come check out this person. Like, who, like, who, like, what, like, who do you think they're going to lean on for this year? Who is the superstar? I mean, Dave. Oh, no, my fault. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Who, 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 who did he say? I, I was going to say, I don't think. I think if La Liga wants to play this smart, I don't think you package it as this one superstar. I think you package it as the whole league and just mm-hmm. be like, yeah. hey, here's Barca, here's Real Madrid, here's Atletico, here's Valencia. Like, you kind of push the power teams and just be mm-hmm. like, hey, these teams are really, really good, guys. You should watch this. You should watch this. Yeah, and I, 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 that, that's that's great. And I also think that they need to talk about the atmosphere at, at Valencia, how fun that is, and talk a little bit about the culture around Spanish football. Uh, but they do need to promote some uh, stars because that's been La Liga's thing. And now you're on ESPN. You're on the network that, that has the, the, the greatest bandwidth to promote uh, your, your personalities. Who those guys are? I mean, uh, obviously Hazard uh, did start for Madrid the other day. Bale got a goal. Uh, Luis Suarez is still at Atletico. That's still a good one. None of the guys on Barcelona are really promotable at this point. I think Griezmann is kind of a washout. Uh, we talked about Dembele. Pedro, uh, I, I would say Pedro is maybe the only one. In yeah, he'd be the guy. Right? And he's young, so he's a guy they can build around. The other that, one would be Paul Torres yeah. at Villarreal, but that's uh, at a lesser team. Yeah, I'd um, I'd shown on here on on the YouTube. Um, I definitely think uh, Pedri is uh, someone that he might not be the name that you know now, but it's basically like he's the guy that you need to know for the future. Like uh, I uh, saw the other day, like they Barcelona finally gave him like a two week break because, like, for those of y'all that don't know, Pedri went through the Euros. He went through the Olympics. That boy was working, man. Went, went through a whole working. season with Barcelona. And they said, okay, you need a break. Like, you definitely He need played a break. 73 games last season, if you include the Euros and the Olympics. 73. And, That's, and, and I, and the human you, body can't take that. Right. And, you know, I, I definitely did that. If you look at that, and that's something that I think that they probably could market, like, hey, like, this is a guy that's going to, that's, He's the future of Barcelona. Like, like even if they broke, he probably is going to be there for the next fifteen years because, yeah. you know, he's you know, he's Barcelona through and through. He's 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 uh, Catalan, and uh, of course you have uh, this guy right here, uh, Memphis Depay. I think for the current, um, he might be a guy that that you can lean on because he's definitely in his prime. He he's been to a I think he's had a decent start so far with uh, Barcelona. I think he scored um, this past yeah. weekend. Oh, he's been the best player. He's been the best player. Yeah, like. I've watched I've watched the last two Barca games, and Barca's biggest player is they don't have like a central striker, not even mm-hmm. like a traditional number nine, like someone that can just stand there and they can play the ball off, like how they did with Luis Suarez and Adso and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Memphis player is more wide, traditionally more on the left. He's been their key creator. He's been the key scorer. Like without him, 
Barca had, would not be able to generate any kind of offense because Griezmann looks lost out there. Like he he looks lost, and Braith, Braithwaite, yeah, you're not gonna get a whole bunch out of him, you know. But you're gonna get something. But he's not a creator. You know nah, I mean? nah. I, I I definitely think that he I, he reminds me of. Remember when Brazil and had also, Fred? Whatever Trump? his agent is, should be paid. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that, 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 that. Oh so remember man! Remember what happened with him? Yeah, man, from Middlesbrough to Barcelona. Yeah. So Barcelona had an injury issue, obviously after the transfer window closed a few <laughs> years ago, and Braithwaite was the only guy that I think they could legally sign uh, under the the, the the emergency window that was out of contract. There was some provision that he mm. was the only guy or the only guy that was decent that they could sign. So he ends up at Barcelona, and he, like you said, he got relegated with Middlesbrough. He was he was terrible that season that they were in the Premier League. You say, you know, let's 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 get this guy. Like we we need somebody now. That's basically like him in the pie. And uh, Fati, he just uh, came back uh, today um, in training. So, like, so there's definitely but young also, faces. That's also another problem in Barcelona because that just shows you how Barcelona has little to no use of their academy system because instead of going to La Masia, like how they done before, they're like, oh, you know what? Let's ruin another team that's fighting for promotion and bring this guy in. <laughs> pay him a yeah. lot of money to sit on a bench. Yeah, this uh, this wild. But, uh, of course, uh, we're recording this Tuesday. And we, I, I had everything, you know, all up and 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 set for what we're going to talk about today. And then all of a sudden, uh, Real Madrid said, you know what? Let's uh, like we haven't done shit this this summer. Let's go ahead and just make a, a, a 160 euro uh, bid for Kylian Mbappe. Like with what money? With what money? That's what I want to know. So this is really interesting. When, yeah, <laughs> when when uh, the Super League blew up, Florentino mm-hmm. Perez gave this interview on on some variety show in Spain. He didn't even go to like one of the mainstream shows or one of the. He went to it was a mainstream show. It's a highly rated show, but not to a real news show or a real sports show, real soccer mm-hmm. show. And he gave this interview about we need the Super League because we're desperate and we don't have the money. We can't sign anyone, and football is being ruined. And 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 football, uh, young people don't like football. Blah 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 blah. Then the pr- the presenter asked him. So that means you'll never be able to sign Mbappe. And he said, oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my goodness. He's still he's saying they have no money, yet he's basically indicating the second he can make a bid for Mbappe, he's still going to do it. And sure enough, yeah. the very next window, he does it. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, definitely didn't see this Which coming. Is because you can sign Mbappe at a free in January because he still hasn't signed his contract with PSG. Yeah. That's, yeah, he, he, yeah, on the Bosman, right? Yeah, that's 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 that part is definitely uh, the weird part to me because I, uh, for those of y'all who have um, been following the uh, Erling Holland uh, transfer saga with with Dortmund, I think um, it came out a couple weeks ago that if they wait until next year, teams all, all have to spend like seventy million, and of course yeah. it's even it's even less for Mbappe because he'll be available on a free. It's like okay, like you would really spend. 160 million when you don't have two in six months. I don't know if that's the smartest thing. I don't know. But um, no, I, I, I'm like, wondering honestly, if Real Madrid think- is registering 
making the bid now so that that's in Mbappe's mind so he doesn't sign a new contract with PSG. That that was what I thought. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I remember that interview I just told you guys about that, that Florentino yeah. Perez gave in April when mm-hmm. the Super League collapsed. The Holland thing is also very, very curious because I assumed – uh, Dortmund being able to sell him maybe for 125 million or so, well, the same price Lukaku went for uh, this summer. They are effectively uh, eating 50 million euros by keeping him another year. So they better win the Bundesliga. Or they better win something uh, if yeah. they're doing that. Yeah, definitely think uh, like the next. Well, actually, um, and we'll get into that when we talk about the EPL. Like the next between. We got like one more week of the transfer window for the summer and pretty much from here until January. It's going to be very interesting. Like, let's see like, like where a lot of the top forwards end up. Cause you have Mbappe, you have Holland, you have, um, uh, Ronaldo, uh, that, that might be, um, uh, moving. And I think for a lot of teams, especially given, Everyone's still recovering from basically making much money at all from um, through the through the pandemic. Like a lot of teams that say they want to spend really don't, and they're like, okay, like we just need to just be patient if we can, and we'll uh, see how that how that goes. But um, again, we got a card at Krishna from World Soccer Talk. Um, so on on the podcast, uh, basically what. Uh, what they, what you and uh, Christopher Harris uh, talk about is TV street TV news, how the coverage of soccer here in the U.S. and also around the world. Um, a few months back, you uh, coined the term like we're in a period of soccer wars, where a lot of uh, networks are are bidding for uh, different leagues and different properties. Basically. Soccer is becoming the hot thing in the streets for, especially for the streaming um, uh, networks to, uh, to to go into, and um, so like a lot a lot of changes have happened already this past season. Let's uh, let's go into that. Um, I know. Uh, let's actually go into the one that I've been. I think for a lot of people, they've been very uh, curious to uh, to see is uh, La Liga come to ESPN. And of course, we've been talking about how. Without Messi, it's uh, it's uh, coming. It's a whole new world now. But um, like, how do you see this uh, working out for ESPN, especially with no anchor superstar? Yeah, and and they've given so much in the way of resources, right? They're they're so much more bandwidth on ESPN Plus. Granted, it's on ESPN Plus; it's not on television, but so much more. Uh, well, they did show a game on ABC, right? With with mm-hmm. a game show in a full studio, yeah, uh, full studio at the stadium with uh, on site uh, commentators in, in in Dark and Steve McManaman. They uh, have given so much in resources to this that they have not put on the Bundesliga or Serie A in the past because the, the, the view has always been that uh, La Liga had these great superstars that you would build around, whereas the Premier League, you could build around the clubs and you could build around the culture. Now that's completely changed. It, it's really a, a, a dilemma because they're tied into this eight year for eight years. This is like one of the college football deals that mm. ESPN has signed, unlike typical soccer deals, right, which are three years of – 
this is an eight-year deal. This is like the deal they have with the ACC. This is like the deal that they're about to start with the SEC uh, in, in the season, uh, SEC football, and which will be off CBS completely. and It'll be all exclusively ESPN and ABC and mm-hmm. SEC Network, which is ESPN. They have a similar deal now with La Liga that ties them down at a time when the league is struggling. So I think that they have to build some degree of context around uh, each of these teams, as we talked about. But the other thing that that I'm already hearing some people uh, being unhappy about is that fans of Serie A and the Bundesliga have both been complaining that they didn't see this level of institutional commitment from Disney and from ESPN toward mm-hmm. their leagues. Uh, obviously, Serie A has moved to CBS. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and Bundesliga still on ESPN, five-year deal. This is year two. They put a lot of promotion into it, but they didn't do all of these studio shows and bumper programs and native announcers for so many matches. Or even on ESPN Plus, ESPN is using their own broadcast talent uh, pretty extensively for La Liga in a way that they don't for other soccer productions. For example, we know with uh, MLS, they just take the local broadcast for ESPN Plus. We know for the Bundesliga, they just take the world feed. Uh, with Serie A, that's all they did, except for the one game that would be on ESPN2 each week. So uh, that's uh, that's something they're tied down to, I think, because of the length of the contract and because of the partnership they have with La Liga. But the timing is horrible. And remember, all of that was done when Messi was still at Barcelona. Right. And uh, all of these deals question, were done in, 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 in May, and this caught them off guard. Is it down to the individual leagues about how they promote this? Because, like, Jake, that does 50-plus Derna, told us before, like, Bundesliga will only do but so much in terms of promotion. Like, they were kind of not doing the bare minimum, but they wouldn't go – they wouldn't put the money in the way how Spain is probably – or, I mean, La Liga is probably putting it into, like, producing – so is it, is it more – is it – I guess I'm asking, is it more on the leagues of how much they put into it versus ESPN saying, like, hey, this is what we're going to do just for La Liga, you know? Cause I so it's a little bit of both. In. Oh, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just yeah. going to say, like, when Serie A came in, I remember, like, um, what's his name? Matteo Benetti came mm-hmm. – they bought him from BN over to right. cover it. He was someone that, you know, was big. But yeah, my fault. Yeah. So so they brought Mateo in, which was really good uh uh, a, a good move and they paired him with Mark Donaldson, but they did the one game a week and they just took the world feed. Uh your question lovely. Uh, and they produce all this kind of very good uh bumper programming that ESPN can just turn key. But at the same time, though, the, the La Liga thing is really well produced by La Liga, and they're overlaying their own production on it, which I, I think indicates just this institutional commitment they have and the the amount that they paid per year. So uh, they paid basically about $20 million a year for the Bundesliga. That's it. Whereas they're paying about 200 or more than $200 million a year, effectively, wow. if you break it out for La Liga. Now, unfortunately, I don't think La Liga is going to get 10 times the, the, the ratings or, or broadcast revenue or, or uh, advertising revenue that uh, the Bundesliga did. So they, ESPN may look in a year, year or two back at this and think maybe uh, the Bundesliga was a better deal. And it's, it's also kind of interesting to me because ESPN has gone through this period where they've, they've let go of a lot of on-air talent. Right. They've got 
of a lot of talent on the written side, yet they have doubled down on college football and soccer in particular. And like in 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 uh, nailing down conferences long term, we talked about the SEC. Texas has moved to the SEC. Texas and Oklahoma has moved to the SEC. Is all about ESPN, oh, yeah. and now they've they effectively monopolized outside of uh, uh, the Premier League. And now they've lost Serie A, but they had it for, for, for a little bit. And they, they put in a pretty big bid. It was CBS just felt like CBS had to get it uh, in order to remain competitive. So they, they, they drove the price up of that and forced CBS to probably overpay for it for Serie A. They've gone in, in, into where they're trying to monopolize club soccer as well. Um, at a time, again, that I think it's – and maybe this is coming from my, my – uh, position in the broadcast in the broadcast and journalist in this journalism industry that i'm it's to me very odd right after they've gotten rid of a lot of talent they've done a lot of cost cutting that suddenly they're splurging on rights um but live programming does it right and they have younger talent uh i mean i saw their their announcement today about college football the the, the lineup uh there were there were a lot of young broadcasters, young Coke uh, color commentators that haven't been part of ESPN's college football team for for many years. And then we're seeing the same thing on the soccer side. They're bringing a lot of new people through. Yeah, I definitely think that um, uh, it's because I, I see a lot, of, a lot of similarities as far as like how the U.S. League, the major U.S. leagues uh, get covered here. And then, of course, you see what how little MLS gets uh gets covered in, in comparison and definitely when you're when you're investing more you obviously put a lot more energy into that and if you're investing 200 million in the la liga and only 20 million into the Bundesliga, is like yeah which one are we going to try to to get our money back on like 20 million if, if you know if people don't turn into um byron and cologne it'll be all right mind you sidebar that was a good game over the weekend yeah. really good game <laughs> and um but um but yeah, if if uh, if people don't turn into turn into El Clasico, it's gonna be, there's going to be a problem. And I think that uh, definitely, I feel like ESPN is, is stretching their their bandwidth not just for soccer, but just of course live sports in general. That that's probably where ESPN Plus comes into such a a great benefit because there's only so much cheap so much to put on TV, but. It's uh, it's definitely going to be uh, stretching the resources that, that they are committing because there's only so much time in a day. Yeah, but the thing that 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 really kind of bugs me is I don't see the kind of cross promotion um, for for MLS uh, and for the for other leagues during the La Liga broadcasts initially. Uh, these first two weeks, they had an MLS game, right? It was the the Atlanta game, right? Atlanta Columbus that was yeah. on right after. Uh, La Liga match. Uh, I, I guess the La Liga match was on ABC, right? And the, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm trying to remember. And then the the MLS game was on ESPN. But still, uh-huh. there wasn't the sort of promotion you would expect to see, and that that was really disappointing to me. And and they have typically been really good at cross promoting things, even. Um, when it comes to uh, you'd be watching a baseball game on ESPN and they'd be promoting college basketball or, or, right. or, or, or 
promoting soccer or whatever. And they seem to be now in this in this uh, this mode where they're very much into kind of league branding. So it's now the SEC on ESPN. It used to be college football on ESPN. I remember those yeah. days yeah. when it, they did, it, they had they had SEC games always, and they'd often show those games in prime time. But there was no SEC on ESPN, or now ACC on ESPN. And then you see it with the soccer, right? It's not um, it, they've they they've they had a kind of an ESPN soccer broadcast feel in the past when they had European leagues uh, prior to losing all the rights in the late 2000s, and now they've gotten them all back. Uh, but now it's La Liga on ESPN, Bundesliga on ESPN. It's very league-branded. I don't know if that's part of their league partnerships or, or what, or if there's some marketing executive that's told them that that's the best way to do things. But what it does is it's kind of cro- – uh, cutting the cross promotion for other soccer properties and other sports, which uh, to me is is pretty concerning. Whereas when you watch NBC Sports, you still see tons of promotion for the Premier League or for whatever PGA mm-hmm. Tour event they have or the U.S. Yep. Open um, and, and NFL Sunday Night Football. So ESPN's gotten more into kind of these silos. Maybe it's because they have so much stuff, right? Absolutely. And, uh, that that might be the reason. All I know is Yogi's like, can we just can we just promote Richmond just once? That's all. That's all he wants. Look, man, I just need one Richmond commercial. That's it. <laughs> oh, I'll give you. I'll give you a story. Actually, this may be a I, I, I digression, but uh, as a press officer, the almost the the, the worst day I had. Uh, one of the worst days was we, uh, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, who I worked for at the time, we played Richmond. We played the kickers in a U.S. Open Cup match. We ended up having I know, to play the kick game. our ass in penalties. Uh, well, no, it went to penalties, yeah. But that game, went, <laughs> that game we played at 11 a.m., and we had to move the game to a field that was turf. So I'm doing the, the, the post game with our, our, our coach, and he didn't want to talk about the game. He didn't want to talk about us advancing. He didn't want to say, hey, Richmond had a great game, and you know, we, we were lucky to we beat him in pens. It was all about how can how can an organization uh, – how can our organization play this game on turf at 11 o'clock in the morning, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, I felt horrible for the kickers that they came down and had to play under those conditions, but that's a, that's a Richmond kicker story. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. we're used to it here, <laughs> But um, another, uh, well, it's not necessarily a move, but something that uh, I think a lot of fans have been eagerly awaiting is we're finally going to get the full Champions League treatment with CBS. For the last uh, season and a half, uh, we've primarily gotten uh, the Champions League almost exclusively through Paramount+. Plus. And this is actually the first season of the full CBS contract. So we should be getting both uh, games on Paramount Plus and also on the Sports Network at least. What's going on there? Yep. Yeah, and, and some games. Uh, uh, the final obviously was, it was on CBS Network Television. They're, they're actually showing a fair number of uh, NWSL matches, if, if you've noticed, between, yeah. between CBS Network tele, between over the air and, and CBS Sports Network. But – yeah, so uh, this is the first year of their actual contract with UEFA. They they had sublicensed or assumed uh, Turner's uh, contract that Turner abandoned, uh, and they're they're building a new studio in New York, or they're in the process of kind of pulling um, okay. uh, okay. up that studio, which is also why this Serie A. Uh, this past weekend, the first weekend of Serie A, you saw everybody via Zoom, and no one was in the same place. Okay, and, okay, okay. and it wasn't. Terribly impressive. My my, uh, what I've been told is that it, it, 
when Champions League returns, uh, not these uh, playing games, but the, uh, the 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 group stage returns right after the international break, we're going to see a new studio. They're still going to have that studio in London, but they're going to have another studio in New York. You're going to get some some new personalities into the uh, I- into the mix, including uh, Ian Joy and Poppy Miller, who have been on the uh, CBS Sports HQ side. They'll still do that, but you'll see more of them on CBS. You're also going to see Matteo Benetti and Drake Cordero uh, more on C. Uh, well, you're going to see them for Serie A, obviously on CBS mm-hmm. Sports Network, uh, but you're also going to see them on the Champions League coverage. So that'll be good, and they'll be studio for Champions League. They won't be calling matches, but they'll they're studio for Champions League. They're calling games. Or they're the broadcast team for Serie A. We're looking at one Serie A match a week on CBS Sports Network. Also, have to mention that they have been showing Scottish games on CBS Sports yes, Network. Yes, yes, I saw that. Which is uh, uh, surprising, right? I mean, the Scottish, Scottish League hasn't been on television in this country in years. It's been bouncing from streaming service to streaming service, and suddenly CBS picks it up, and we assume it's a Paramount Plus exclusive property, and they've actually now already shown two matches on Sports Network. They're showing the old firm this week on Sports Network. So uh, may also be a byproduct of CBS just not having many properties on Saturdays to show before outside of college college football and college basketball season. Now, that's that's actually Brazilian League in Argentina as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, real quick, for those who don't know, I'm an all ball when it comes to soccer league. Greg will tell you I watch all kinds of odd shit because I'm probably (laughs) I'm probably the only person that you wouldn't find out that is excited as hell to watch the Europa Conference League, the Champions. (laughs) (laughs) That's on Paramount Plus, also. Let let, let me ask this real quick, Um, because for those of y'all who might not even realize that you have CBS Sports Network in your cable package. Uh, it's, it's it's more than likely it's there, but uh, I feel like for a lot of their sports properties, they haven't been using um, CBS Sports Network. Like, is and they they've been pushing everything towards Paramount Plus. Is, is there a sort of reason behind that, or like what's what's been the deal there? Yeah, that's that's a really good question because CBS Sports Network, I remember when it was uh, just college sports, right? It was CBS College Sports. And then mm-hmm. they expanded it to um, – and actually my last year at the NASL, we, we our games – I actually did a broadcast for TV, uh, two broadcasts. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> way back when. That was when they had just dropped the college moniker and they started picking up other sports um, or non-college sports. I, I think that they're trying to uh, prioritize signups – to uh, Paramount Plus, but because of that, I had made the assumption they weren't going to show any of these things on CBS Sports Network. And I guess when college football and college basketball, and they they have the WNBA on there also, right? So besides sure. those things, when those things are not in season, they have a lot of uh, open programming space. And midweek, they have space for all of these Champions League games. So the other thing you're going to find this year with their Champions League packages, I'm told the games that are on Paramount Plus – um, you will then see replayed uh, some uh, well the the uh, Champions League games, not the Conference League or Europa League, mm-hmm. but Champions League games, group stage games will be then replayed on CBS Sports Network uh, with the CBS uh, graphics and everything during the course of, of the night. So basically, you'll get a live game from from uh, three to five Eastern time, and then the rest will be on Paramount Plus. But then each of those Paramount Plus games will be replayed. Uh, maybe starting at 10 p.m., then 12 p.m., 2 p.m., they'll show them o- overnight on CBS Sports Network, uh, both on Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's unless there's some live uh, event that they have 
maybe there was a, a college football game. From all, all, right? all they do is, is play uh, Tiki and Tierney all afternoon. That, yeah, that, right. That, so they're, they're going to they're going to preempt that. Basically, me. that right? me to know when I'm like, that Tiki Barber, right? They're going to so that's actually a good thing that um, with this with now that they're the actual rights holder. Even though they're still going to put most of the games behind the paywall, they are going to replay them on sports networks. So if you don't have Paramount Plus um, and you don't you don't want to pay to watch that live, but you have Sports Network, then you will still see the game. You just won't see it live. No, not not to that point. Uh, like there's something that I think that we go back and forth on a lot, a lot um, on Twitter because as we talked about, a lot of the streamers are a lot of the networks have been purchasing uh, rights to these leagues, but they're putting it behind the streamer services. Um, I think we've gone back and forth as far as like a lot of this belongs on TV, but I think with the demographics, uh, it's like the demographics are those people are investing in streamer services. Like what's been the, the deal there as far as like, why, why put this all behind? Why put soccer specifically behind a paywall? So the, at ESPN specifically, they think soccer fans are super savvy and are um, are people who are so committed to their sport, they're willing to pay X amount of dollars. In fact, when I talked to an ESPN exec uh, on background, they told me it's, it's funny because it makes sense because it's the two things I really like is soccer and college sports. It's mm-hmm. soccer and college sports fans who would be willing to pay uh, for streaming ser- for a streaming service that shows all these games, whereas they feel like Major League Baseball fans, they uh, they may get the season pass just to watch all the Phillies games or watch all the uh, all, all the Dodgers games, etc. Right. They don't they're not really invested in baseball. They're not going to spend extra just to see baseball unless it's to see their team. And uh, similar thing with with NBA fans and and uh, and NFL fans. So oh, NFL everything's available, right? So. That's the thinking behind soccer. It will it will drive signups. Okay. Uh, and they're now more concerned about signups than they are about actual viewership. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, that, that's something that because like I, I look at soccer and just like I think you would ask a question that I actually responded to on on the talk uh, talk podcast was like was soccer into sport and like there's so many leagues out there and that's a good thing and I think also a bad thing because. There are so many leagues that you only have so much bandwidth. To, like, okay, like I, I might be able to give you about six in the possible, six in the possible. I'm, I'm, I'm about to play spades here. Like, okay, that's about all I can give you. And then, of course, you're still about 10 others that are on ESPN Plus that, that you haven't even touched yet. And, like, it, it makes me wish that uh, – I, I makes you wish that Gold TV hadn't been – Deprioritized by a lot of cable providers. Of course, we we uh, those of y'all who, who don't know, BN Sports got it is been in legal issues with Comcast and a couple other cable providers for years now. You know, trying to get trying to get um coverage and because a lot of stuff belongs on TV. It's just a matter of I, I now I actually do understand your perspective because there's so many leagues, just like how there's so many teams in college in college sports. So. And only so much can get on TV. It's just a matter of we need some type of soccer channel somewhere. And it's like, you know, at least get like the feature games on, on TV. And just like how they do with what the um, current package is like the feature games get on TV. Everything else gets put on the streaming service and, and work it out that way. It feels like like right now, 
everything is pushed, like whether it's EPL, whether it's La Liga, whether it's Bundesliga, it's like so much. And it's, and then you don't see any of the other leagues get that same treatment. So it's, it's frustrating, but I, de- I definitely get it. Um, also uh, moving this year, I think uh, you touched on it earlier, is uh, Syria moving over to oh, – the, 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 oh, there we go uh, – to uh, Syria moving over to Paramount Plus. And we're also going into the last year of the, the EPL. Now, before we go into that real quick, I actually do, do need to um, uh, hit up uh, Yogi real quick because uh, what in the world happened to us uh, this, this past weekend with, with Southampton? Like, what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Because <laughs> that was actually that was an ugly game. That was an ugly game. So okay, first and foremost, let, let's relax. It's only game two. There's no reason to hit the panic button. I'm not also, panicking. I'm not panicking, but it's just like, bruh, like, like you, 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 you never know what Southampton you're gonna get. Like you don't know if it's gonna be the one from last year or the one from two years ago. And Southampton yeah. is a team historically known for playing above their weight. Okay. If they're gonna play great against the top six, they might get blown out in one game, six nothing. But they'll play great because they're gonna catch someone off guard. And Man United, this is the thing. Like, granted, all right, we signed Rafael Veron, great. You got Janus Sancho, great. This Man United team, the reason why we play so great against Leeds is because Leeds don't give a damn about defense. Like they are, <laughs> they are offense go. They, they don't give a damn about defense. I don't think Bielsa teaches defense. I think he's just like, I don't give a damn what the score is. We're going to go attack. Other teams not going to do that. Mm-hmm. This main United team still hasn't proven they can bro- break down a low block. They still haven't made a significant improvement in midfield. They still don't have a solidified number nine. Yeah. Like, what did you expect? Like, what did we really it was- expect? Yeah, honestly, the game was a lot sloppier than I expected, especially just in the, in the amount of possession that United get, uh, gave away. Um, I think we were fortunate to come to, to get a draw there, but yeah, especially coming off like the, that first game, it's like, mind you, that was that was with, the, with hardly any Sancho, no Rashford. It's like, yeah, like hopefully there there might be something, but yeah. No, but I will say this: I will say this. At least we're not. Arsenal. At least we're not Arsenal. Okay, so I'm going to low-key defend Arsenal. Well, Arteta, a little bit. I don't think – I think, one, people got a little bit too excited when Arsenal won the FA Cup. Okay. They got a little bit too excited. Okay. Because if people remember, right before the pandemic happened, Arsenal was, I think, ravaged by injuries, just like Spurs were. And mm-hmm. they kind of got helped out by the whole pandemic. Um, yeah. I think the thing with Arsenal is that I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that they missed out on European football last year because Arsenal needed a reset for the longest. They're kind of like Man United was right after Sir Alex Ferguson left. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, all right, we're still Man United. We can buy whoever we want. And we can just plug in whoever and win. Like, no, you can't do that. And I think Arsenal, I think the thing that really needs to happen is I don't think Arteta's a – he's not a bad coach. I think he's in over his head. Because if you look at him on the sidelines, he's he's like Pep in a lot of ways, but he overanalyzes too much. Like he gets his own head, and then he starts <laughs> barking out orders to people, like micromanaging. And players like Granit Xhaka and e, uh, Emmett Rose Smith and Sok, like you have to let them do them. But when you start micromanaging them, now they start getting an old head. That's great mm-hmm. when you're winning games, 
and now you can take three, three steps ahead. But when you're losing games, you're void of confidence, and we know how toxic Arsenal fan base can be, you kind of almost got to go back to basics. So I think it's like, I think what Arsenal need to do is just be like, all right, look, we know it's going to be rough. Those first three games were going to be rough. You're playing a Brentford side that just got promoted that's coming off of a whole bunch of confidence. That was never going to be an easy game. You're playing a Chelsea team that's on God mode. And then you're playing a Man City team that's presumably pissed off because no one's talking about them and everyone's talking about Chelsea. Your first two games are going to be tough. I think after that, let things settle. You play Norwich right after that. And kind of the other thing, too, the Arsenal need to do is kind of cut out. I mean, it's a thing they've been needing to do for a while. It's kind of cut out the dead weed. That doesn't help that you resign Granit Xhaka because I swore that man was going to Roma. I, I yeah. swore I thought he was going to Roma. Yeah. But you kind of. I thought it was like, done. Yeah, I did too. Um, Aubameyang, he 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 got to go. He he has he looks disinterested. He doesn't really want to be there. I kind of always say Nicholas Pepe. He's another one. Like sell players at the top end of the roster. They get like, look, we're gonna let you go. We're gonna get 20, 40, 50 mil, whatever, and just slowly just rebuild that but, program. But I think like, Pepe seems to be a guy that that. There, he goes through these flashes, right? The two years he's been at Arsenal, he's had these stretches where he's been he, he's been unstoppable off the dribble. He's not a good finisher, but really creative. And then he just, oh, he looks disinterested. He looks like he doesn't care. So maybe he'll come good this season at some point. Now, I don't the- know because I don't – the thing about Pepe is he reminds me a lot of Anthony Martial, where Ooh, if yeah. the parts around oh, him are really, that's really, really great. Crazy. He is elite. Like, he's on another level. But if the parts around him are really, really poor, he's not going to give you a whole bunch. Like, if you want to do an NBA comparison, compare him to Kyrie. Like, <laughs> if, if you put Kyrie in a team where the parts around him are great, Kyrie shines, good. but it also hides the flaws of Kyrie. Right. But if you put him in a team, like, where he is has to be the sole person or he has to be the league piece, Mm-hmm. He can't do it because this game is so much one on one. I'm looking to do me and get my individual, and then get everything else. Uh, a, a quick reminder about Kyrie Irving: um, the number of playoff series he's won without LeBron James, two. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, but, I'm in the bandwagon. I don't think he's a superstar. I don't so, read Kyrie. Yeah. But um, so let me ask you guys: would you, just uh, as part of this discussion, what do you think about Weston McKinney? Going to either Arsenal or uh, or Man United potentially. So Western McKinney, um, I understand why Allegri wants him out. It, it wasn't his guy; it was more Pirlo's guy. It's Pirlo's guy uh, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Pirlo I, I saw himself in McKinney. I think similar yeah. game. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I think obviously Americans are reading too much of the fact. Like, oh, well, yeah. What has he done wrong? Like, it's just another coach came in. And that coach is like, well, you're not really. Well, that's, 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 that seems like like what happened like with uh, with with Dempsey back when he was at Fulham. Like this is like every time they went yeah, with a new manager, yeah. they were like, okay, he's American, he's not good enough, and then he ends up winning them over. And I think that for a, a lot of players, especially now, it's it's like, why would you doubt an American player right now? Like, if anything, the the, the trend is going up as far as players in Europe and like we just saw uh, yeah. Josh Sargent get a uh, uh, two goals in the system in a Carabao Club Cup action today like I think that the if you give them a chance 
they usually end up stepping up. And especially with the current generation of uh, American players, like it's like, why, why would you? But um, uh, I, I think for Western, I, I think the best move, if I'm Western and I'm like, all right, look, Juve ain't going to work out. I think if you're Western McKinney, I think there's only two teams you should go look at. One is Aston Villa and the other one is Tottenham. Those are the only two teams you should go look at. Mm. Aston Villa is interesting. Yeah. Aston Villa for one is because you can easily fit in and be like, I'm a I'm a star. Yeah. I think Tottenham is the other one because yes, you are top six. Yes, you're gonna get paid top six money, but it's an easy transition. Hoyberg's there, you can easily move Hoyberg out. Hoyberg's probably gonna move in another two years to Germany. You can easily West and be like, all right, I can easily take this spot over. Booster Sissoko is the one you can also take over. But I feel like West is the kind of player where, one, he he is press resistant. He's really good at pressing, but he's not yep. so great of a great passer. So you have to look at teams where they're not acting a lot of possession. Mm-hmm. So a team like Man United, where Man United needs a CDM that is press resistant but can also play, be a connection. That's not West's strong suit. Arsenal is not really his strong suit because the way Howard Tenton wants to play is he wants to play almost like City ball, but they end up passing the ball in a weird-ass donut. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, seriously, so sidebar. Yeah. If you ever look at way how Arsenal plays, is like it goes in a donut because when he goes to the left, they usually just cross it across the box, and if no one gets their head up because there's only one person running in the box, then it gets to the right winger, and then he passes it back up, and it goes in a weird-ass donut. Next Arsenal game, just watch it. You'll see it like five times in a row. Um, now you're, you're going to have me on uh, watching um, yeah, they're playing City, so that'll be interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now, 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 now the, the quick question there: um, uh, Arsenal ha- uh, have they scored yet this season? No. So, with that in mind, you're you're going against Man City. Of course, for those of y'all that don't know, we actually managed to have a Man City diehard Man City supporter down here with Karchik, So. You know, just forgive them, forgive them. But uh, if if Man City blows out Arsenal, how does Arsenal even last another week? Yeah, it's the international break too, which is the – it's so easy to, to, to change coaches during the international break. But I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to, right? I think they're going to go ahead and, uh, and, and give him until – well, maybe they don't give them till Christmas, but at least give them till November to try and write the ship. They finished the season okay at the end of last season. Both Lacazette and Aubameyang suddenly looked interested when it when they were not going to qualify for Europe. They got interested. <laughs> that was very very weird. Uh, but I I don't know. There's too much. There, there isn't any leadership in that squad with Aubameyang being kind of a wall mm-hmm. and. Uh, now Shaka is wearing the captain's armband. That's not the guy you want leading. I don't. I don't know if the signing of Odegaard is going to um, have the impact that Arsenal fans hope. So I like it from a from, a, on, from an eleven standpoint. I just yeah. like, like there's there's no leaders. Like I, I used to say this about the the U.S. national team for a while. Like you have so many young guys, but there's no actual leader. Of course, now they kind of flesh things yeah. out a bit more. But especially when it comes to club form, like if you don't have any veterans that that be like, hey, like this is how we how we do things. This, it seems like things have broken down so badly in the last like three four years with Arsenal that it's like the veterans that are, that are there. They're like, 
hey, we're just trying. We're just trying to get. So, really are. I, I think the <laughs> yeah, they, biggest issues with Arsenal is it really just comes down to transfers and just the the style of players they're putting in. Because you're right. Like I don't think they needed Odegaard. I think Odegaard was like he was on loan and he didn't necessarily impress. It wasn't like he came in and he set the world ablaze. You know, and you get. Um, Emmett Rose Smith, who necessarily plays kind of the same position. They're a little bit different. Odegaard is a better distributor where Emmett Rowe is like better at pressing and kind of shooting. Yeah. But yeah. you have a number 10. Develop him, let him do him. I think the thing Chelsea, I mean not Chelsea, Arsenal needed to do was go, the money you spent on Aaron Ramsdale, which by the way, I don't understand how he keep failing up to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm and he got himself it. onto the England team also, which was I mean, kind of I mean, crazy. The last two years, he's been on the worst team in the EPL that's gotten relegated. I don't right. understand Both how you. he failed up to get the Arsenal job. Because let me get this, let me tell people this. I know it's very easy to blame to, to blame Leno. And is Leno like a world beater? Is he one of the best goalkeepers in the world? No. But he is a very serviceable, doable goalkeeper. The thing is that makes Leno look so bad and ha- makes him have like fright is is his back is his front four. His back mm-hmm. four is trash. And it has been for a while. Exactly. I don't care what kind of goalkeeper you have. You could put Manuel Noyer in front of that back line for an arsenal. And you're probably getting what one to two extra points? Because and, the back four is so poor. And and yeah. mind you, I mean, mind you, like they this they went that direction when there's a perfectly great keeper in Paris that looks like he's you know no longer the flavor of the month of like you just did not yeah. go get Navas. One of the like, best keepers in the world. Your point about Smith Rowe is spot on. So I think signing Odegaard, one of my concerns would be maybe he is he is better. He's a better distributor than Smith Rowe. You're absolutely correct. But you're now taking your future number 10 and you're either sitting him or you're playing him out of position for the next couple of seasons and he's not going to develop properly. No, so no. panic buy is what I would call it. Yeah. And this is the thing that Arsenal should have done is they should have taken that $31 million that they – because I think the young son they got for Andy, like, is good. Like, that is someone that can grow in Arsenal. That's that's fine. I think what they should have done is took that 31 minutes spent on Aaron Ramsdale. Go buy some keeper from League One or League Two if you need to beat the English standards. Like, uh, City did it with Scott Carter. Just do that. I think yeah. the thing that you should have done is go to Leicester and be like, Wilford and Didi, give him a call. Oh, that would tell be him brilliant. However much you want, come on. Because that is the kind of, like, I've been so highly rated on him because Loki, like, he is – He's in Golo Conte 2.0. Yeah. Just taller mm. and a little bit skinnier. But he has so many qualities of the Golo but Conte. Like, he, he's yeah. actually, as you said, he's taller. He's really good in the air on set pieces, which Conte isn't. So he even gives you that dimension in DD. It was uh, Arsenal's weakest piece, set pieces. Yep. Because yep. everyone they have kind of crumbles. Parsons is our confidence. But once again, like I understand getting Ben White. I get it because you needed a center back. Yes, badly. I think the other, like I think the other things that Arsenal could have done. I think it was uh, Gabriel, who they sent back on loan again. Which once again, I don't understand. Like you bought him to play him, 
But in the last three years, he's been in France where you could have just played him. I, I don't, I'm not getting yeah. it. But yeah. Now, now, now with uh, uh, Arrested uh, Manscaped fan, I think we would be remiss if we didn't touch on the citizens real quick because uh, some news came out today that uh, definitely uh, a bit interesting. Uh, of course, there's been the saga of will he won't won't he with with Harry Kane, but then just today came the news of a certain Cristiano Ronaldo saying, "Oh, at least a rumor is I'm trying to engineer a move to Man City," and the idea is if we if they can't get Harry Kane, the idea is hey, we'll just go get Ronaldo. Like like like, how are you feeling about this, Carter? Yeah, so the Ronaldo thing, apparently he would come on a free, although uh, Juventus wants a transfer fee, so this is the complication. Right. City doesn't want to pay a transfer fee for a guy who's clearly coming for a year or two and is uh, is 36 years old. I don't know how Ronaldo fit. Uh, Ronaldo was such a smart player. He's evolved his game. Remember his game when he first came up at Sporting and then the first few years at United was all about pace. And then mm-hmm. Fergie turned him into a player that became a little smarter. And then he gets to Real Madrid. He, he begins to lose his pace. He changes his game. Now he can play as kind of a a, 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 a stand-up number nine who can hold the ball, who can play with his back to goal, stuff he couldn't do earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. But I think the attraction of Kane for Pep is how mobile Kane is and how he can drift into these different positions as a number 10. The understanding Kane and Sterling have had from the England team for several years now, uh, they know each other's games in and out. So those two guys playing together uh, would, would be attractive. You don't get any of that with Cristiano. I guess you sell a lot of shirts and he's a guy who knows how to win in Europe, right? That's the bottom line. I mean, he's won a lot more in Europe than the guys on City's team. He's won a lot more in Europe than Pep has, quite frankly. Yeah. So yeah. that might be that might be the deal you're making. Honestly, man, I don't know what it is, but what has Jesus done to Pep? <laughs> yeah. that, man? Like, yo, Jesus was supposed to be like the, the world 2.0. And for the longest, we've been waiting and we've been waiting and we've been waiting. I mean, and then he plays was... Saturday and has a spectacular game and you know he's not going to start against Arsenal. That's just the way it has been with him. You know, I, don't I know. think Pep kind of Fumbled this as well because he kind of had his cane replacement in Inacho. Inacho. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That was his cane, but he just wasn't patient enough with him. He was just like, "Ah, I need someone now. (laughs) And that's just that's a strange part to me because you know we've you and I have uh, debated about this all the time with with, as far as cane goes. I'm like, I I don't see the I don't see the benefit. I mean, you 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 have Jesus. That you that knows that system. If nothing else, think that if you actually trusted him uh, with um, with staying up front, he might deliver for you. And it's kind of like I, Matt I, 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 in the early two thousands. Like you had Andy Cole and Dwight York, but Fergie knew. Like all right, I'm about to go pay twenty mil to go get Ruven Nisseroy. Like you didn't. Now, now to be fair, now to, to be fair, Rube was that dude. But um, yeah. Oh yeah, what uh, was that dude? But I'm saying, like, after the year those two had, did, did you really need Rue? No, fair, we'll get Rue fair. because I'm gonna try. I'm trying. I'm going to win a trophy. You know? Yeah. 
Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. There. Knew when to get rid of guys too. I mean, that was the thing that made Sir Alex so brilliant. I think the one that he may have get, gotten rid of too soon was Yopstam on that back line, and the back yeah. line kind of collapsed. Yeah. That was a couple of years after that. But he always knew when to sell guys or when to buy a replacement. Uh, and when he sold Van Nistelrooy, in fact, that that was when he sold Van Nistelrooy to Real Madrid the summer mm. or whatever summer it was two thousand six, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's lost it. Fergie's done. This, this shows he doesn't know what he's doing. Little did I know he, he had a plan to, to, to use Ronaldo and and Rooney sort of as kind of auxiliary number nines, but not really number nines. And he's won the Premier League however many years in a row after that. I mean, he just – he always knew. Um, so that's why I, I – looking back, I give – I thought the same thing. When they bought Van Nistelrooy and they had Colin York, why are they buying another number nine? But he always seemed to know. He, the timing – his timing was impeccable. Now, is Pep like that? That's the question. Does Pep think he can get something out of Cristiano? I don't know. And and then the Kane thing has been a bit of a fixation of Pep's. He's been fixated on Kane for a few seasons now. I, I don't understand that. I don't know if Ronaldo and Pep get along because it's kind of like why Messi <laughs> didn't go to City. Because yeah. in Pep's system, Pep requires you to press. Like, it's a certain yeah. level of pressure you have to apply. And I don't see it working. At, at, at a certain age, you're just like, okay, y'all just need just y'all just need me to stay up here. Just let me know when y'all ready. Let me know. Yeah, exactly. It's like that old guy that played pickup basketball. Like only his one job is to shoot outside the three, and he might move twenty feet to the right. He's Ray Allen. Center. He's Ray Allen. That's that's yeah, it. Exactly. But um, but uh, to, to get back on uh, uh the, the the TV uh, rights because this year is the finest. As it stands right now, this is the final year of the EPL deal with NBC. Now, a lot of people have been up in arms about how Peacock has just ruined uh, everyone's experience with the EPL. Honestly, I, I, I feel like two things happen. One, Peacock just, for whatever reason, it just has been a train wreck. But um, but I also feel like the when CBS got into the soccer game, and especially with their with their Champions League presentation and just how amazing that's been, suddenly you look at NBC. It's like what looked good for five, six, seven years. Suddenly it's like it's kind of stale. It's kind of dry. Like I, like like I, I feel like even now, like especially like going into this last year, like I feel like. The energy that should be there just isn't there anymore. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think what CBS did was they kind of exposed NBC for having this stale product that was spectacular in 2013, 2014, 2015, but didn't cut it in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. And you've even sensed it, right, these, these uh, last two weeks in the studio, right, these first two weeks of the season, that they're going through the motions yeah. and they're not sure they're going to keep the rights. Uh, they haven't they haven't committed to new talent. I, I do have to say I thought Tim Howard did much better this week than he had done previously um, mm-hmm. on NBC. But um, it, it was pretty, uh, pretty shocking, quite frankly. Um, just the, the lack of any new features, any new innovation, and they're just not giving the level of analysis or the kind of banter we got, uh, we, we're getting on CBS. In addition, I think we've got, they, 
I was talking to actually someone at ESPN about this uh, privately, that mm-hmm. there is a uh, history of NBC in sports kind of dipping out and dipping back in. So there was a point when Dick Ebersol said, you know what? Um, well, first off, he didn't want to put the score bug in the corner on, during Notre Dame games because uh, he said that encouraged channel surfing because ABC and CBS would always – CBS had the SEC, and obviously ABC was showing the Big Ten uh, or, or other other games at the same time at 3.30. So that was the first thing. And then after that, they said – they decided, well, it was too expensive to pay for live sports. We're not – we're going to – we're not – we're going to let the rights to everything go. So they lost the NBA. They lost the NFL for a while, remember. Yeah. They, they lost all the bowl games they had. They lost college basketball. When I was a kid, NBC showed as much college basketball as CBS did. They didn't have the tournament, but they showed as many regular season games. They don't show any college basketball anymore. And then came this this point where they were totally out, and they haven't shown baseball for years either, um, that they then had to start uh, getting back into sports desperately, so they picked up the NHL, and then they picked up more golf, and then they finally picked up the uh, they picked up MLS for a little bit in the Premier League. Now it feels like they're back in one of those modes where they're letting go of things. They let go of NASCAR, they let go of the NHL. They're not doing anything in college sports, right outside of Notre Dame, and um, they. Like, uh, it, it's weird because what else do they have? They like, still have NFL and. That's it, right? I like, and, and golf. I feel like, yeah, it's just basically just the uh, the NFL and and uh, like like even like we for a lot of people like we just had the uh, the uh, Olympics and uh, a couple weeks ago. Like even the coverage there, usually like the granted there's like a thirteen hour time difference, but like even for what they did show on tape delay, it was like they weren't putting a lot of energy. Like I feel like whatever's going on with NBC Sports right now, it's definitely is over the entire division is not just what's happening with the with the EPL it's, it's happening with, yeah. with other, all other properties yeah. so this guy this guy uh, told me at ESPN look we're we're looking at the the Premier League not from an ESPN perspective but he's looking at it from an NBC perspective from the outside saying, let's see if they keep this property. Because if they don't keep this or try to keep the property, maybe CBS will outbid them. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But if they don't make a real effort to keep this property, we know Peacock isn't really working for them because they need the live sports programming and and, uh, dumping the NHL doesn't make that any more attractive to potential uh, people to sign up. And we know they're kind of uh, scaling down on sports. So um, even though it's just it's just the Premier League, it's not the NFL or, or NBA, uh, somebody as fan has told me they're watching NBC closely on this just because they think this will tell us whether they're still committed to sports and whether they're committed to growing Peacock in terms of live programming, or is Peacock just going to be a reservoir for Universal's movies and, and old NBC sitcoms? Um, so this person told me, Ideas fan told me, he thinks like NBC has to keep the Premier League. They have to have that volume of live sports because there's 10 games every weekend that they yeah. can show, which uh, there's no other sports property that gets the ratings. The Premier League does that they can pick up at this point. Um, that's it. And golf. So, I have to ask, maybe it's just me, but is Peacock really that bad? Cause I haven't yes. had any issues with it. Like people. You know, no, I, I, I'll put it like this. Cause 
you know, like it's, it's honestly for me, it's hit or miss. But like, I feel like at least the navigation uh, of of especially with with EPL games, because like, let's say you have you have your seven thirty to twelve thirty block of, of EPL. <laughs> Why wouldn't you have just one continuous stream? Of all of your games uh, yeah, up until okay. then, because what happens is okay, you have a you have a seven thirty game yeah. ends at nine thirty. What happens is nine thirty when that game ends, bop, cuts off. You basically have to go in, go back, go into um, the feed for the next game at at at, at ten thirty and at, t- at ten o'clock and start up a, a new feed there. When that game uh, ends and you want to go into uh, to goal zone, up. Uh, that that feed ends. Got to go to the goal zone feed. Like it could be so much smoother, and for whatever reason, they just haven't gotten that yet. And because like, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say that is yeah, the mean, great for us. So people aren't happy about having to pay for it, but there is no the, the the thing will cut off, and then you you'll have to go to the to the feed of the game that's starting to get. Go- to get goal zone or to get the the the, the, the pregame, but it'll, it won't cut off at like a normal time. It'll cut off in the middle, so you'll watch like the first ten minutes of the postgame show on the previous stream, and then it'll just change to the other stream. Yeah, okay. um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dumb no reason to it. Crazy. It just seems like the same thing with ESPN because you know once again I watch a lot of lower league soccer, uh, so it's like it's not like a continuous stream. Like the game ends and kind of just just cut it. And then it's kind of like that ESPN scene, like, thank you for watching. Your program has ended. Now, that's, now, to that, now, to that point, and this kind of goes back to what I always say about having soccer back on TV, is that because, like, of course, you know about the how WWE Network used to be, like, or like used to have, like, basically like a 24-hour stream. Yeah, don't bring up WWE, man. I'm so yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. But, um you but like how the old network was before they went to Peacock. You basically had a, a continuous twenty four hour live stream, whereas, uh, whereas now it's basically like, okay, like whatever whatever is on right there, you have that program and that's it. I feel like both Peacock, ESPN, Paramount, they're missing out on that on that. Um, you could basically have like if you have like a, like a good two three straight hours like. Five hours of games, you could say, like, "Hey, let's just keep this going all until that those games end." And then, and they're missing a the boat on that. Just keep that stream going. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see like like how the um, how the negotiations get. Like, like if you had to flip a coin right now, cards like what, what would you say the uh, EPO ends up next year? So, um, yeah, I'd say there's a, there's a very good chance it ends up on uh, on CBS. It's either going to be on CBS or NBC, it feels like at this point. So I'd go maybe 60% uh, CBS, 40% or 30%. Okay, okay, let's do it this way. 55, 55% CBS, 40% NBC, 5% a wild card. And I thought the wild card would be Discovery Plus, um, but... That seems to be – it doesn't seem like Discovery and HBO Max are investing in any live sports programming. Prime is uh, done doing games in England. They're doing uh, games in France, right, domestic leagues. They do mm-hmm. have the Sounders games. If you've noticed on Prime, if you're in, in market, you can see Sounders games on, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on 
Amazon Prime. Otherwise, you have to watch it on ESPN Plus. Uh, but so they they might have some interest. But yeah, I think it's I I'm leaning towards CBS right now. They uh, they feel like they need to pick up one more big property to compete with ESPN, and that's the big one. And ESPN doesn't seem to have much interest in the Premier League because of this La Liga deal, which might have been a mistake, as we talked about. Yeah, I think that just given the – I think you made the point before on World Soccer Talk, like just given the amount of attention that the EPL likes to get just on their platform yeah. – um, I, I, it's hard for me to see like how where they would where they would fit with ESPN because you know like they love that twelve thirty spot course come next week college football starts so yeah, that's that, 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 that yeah. time slot goes away and that won't be available when, again until what uh, mid December at the earliest so yeah, yeah and then there's then no, it would be an ABC slot you got the NFL playoffs yeah and you got college you basketball really so yeah you really talking. Shoot, you're not talking to the end of February, right? And 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 therein lies the problem. But um, I definitely think that um, I, I I'm gonna save it, save my prediction because I, I there's one more lead that we that we need to get to in the second half of the show. But um, I it, I'll just say it won't shock me if, if, if he leaves. Of course, we've been going for a while. We're gonna take a quick break, pause for the cause. Um, since my since my homeboys here. I was gonna hope I was gonna talk, talk cash shit about about Atlanta, but we're gonna we're gonna just keep that to a minimum. And um, well, we got some um, more with our Cardiac and Yogi in a little bit. Catch you. <laughs> This week on Protagonist Podcast, we've got a double dip into the kingdom of Nisa. The Division Three powerhouse is up and rolling in the fall season, and we've got guests, highlights, and full-on match analysis to get you up to date on every club in the league. From Detroit City to Maryland Bobcats to the up-and-coming New Amsterdam FC, it's all on Protagonist Podcast, wherever you get your Alliance content. And we are back. We got Schneider from World Soccer Talk. We got Big Man Yogi from Can I Kick It FC. I was really hoping that my guys are going to be here this week because you no, know, I don't know if y'all have noticed like the past few weeks, uh, like here at the home team, you know, we're like king shit all of a sudden. So, and and mind you, we haven't got with the white smoke came. We have a new head coach. We have Gonzalo Pineda. Who just um, he I'm just finally? Uh, really, are acting like the uh, Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Hey, we we got we got our winning streak. We, we've won four straight. You know, like and my like, like you know, Robbie Valentino. He's uh, like he ended up doing okay. So you know, we'll we'll see hey, how things go. Yo, I did text you when you got your new head coach. I was like, bro, how long are you gonna last? You was like, hey, we'll see. And I was like, all right, so you get fired by that. Said December. Yeah, I mean. Honestly, I feel like with the way things have gone the past few weeks, uh, definitely the interim coach um, Valentino's at least unlocked something that clearly wasn't there with Heinze. I do think that it's helped that all of our attackers have, have finally been in place. We did um, we did make one try transfer in, in, uh, transfer in the transfer window. We got uh, Luis Araujo. Like I, I got to get that that pronunciation right because um, it's not Spanish; it's Brazilian, it's Portuguese, so it's a little different. But um, oh, yeah. But um, 
Arusha, Arusha would be then, right? Instead right, of right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but he uh, came over from from Lil. He uh, debuted on this uh, this past week, and um, I said, I think honestly, it's one of the things that I made a point of back when Heinze got fired was that we haven't had all of our attackers available since like early May. So it's like it's, it was kind of hard for me to kind of hold everything against um, Heinze uh, during the period where we weren't winning, but at the same time it's clear that things have turned around for the port. The, the mood is far more positive now with, uh, with Atlanta. And, um, but, uh, but one team that, that if, if you don't mind me jumping in real quickly yeah. on, on Valentino, uh, before we move on from Atlanta United, I, I, I got to know him and work with him at the lower division level for a number of years. He played in Florida, right? He played for right. Tampa. He played for, uh, he played, he spent the preseason with us in Fort Lauderdale when I was there and then, uh, uh, played for Orlando city. And I covered him closer there. He's, he's a positive guy, right? He's a, he, they're positive vibes from him. So I felt like he was a good guy given all the negativity around Atlanta United to take that over temporarily while you guys found another coach, which you've done now. But um, I, I, I'm not surprised he did well because I think just dressing room dynamics, what, regardless of tactics and anything else or his his ability to actually manage a team long term, uh, just the positive vibes he can give guys. Um, and, and, and it's worked, right? It, it turned around. Absolutely. Right? In, in the few games he was the caretaker. Uh one one thing that I've, I'm very pleased to hear is that um, with uh, Pineda's uh, staff, he actually has uh, kept uh, Valentino on staff. Um, That's good. That's good. Uh, with Atlanta, and I definitely think that you know he he definitely um, instilled you know, a lot of a lot of good vibes. Like yeah, you can definitely tell this. Like even like how he was on 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 the touchline. Like like I'm a big believer in attitude reflects leadership, and that energy that he gave definitely translated on 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 the field and. and it took a little bit for the results to come, but eventually they got there. What you got, yo? What you got? I just got one question for What's Atlanta up? United. What's up? When the fuck y'all gonna let Barry Guzon go to pasture? Listen, so I don't know if you saw that save he had against DC uh, over the weekend, but I don't care about all that, man. He need to go. It's time to move on. When the season ends, we'll see. But until then, like we're not we're not playing Ken. I mean, really, come on. Man. But um, go get somebody yeah. else. Uh, well, the transfer window go does, so we can't do that. Listen, if if, if 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 I thought we could, because there's no reason why he shouldn't be at at uh Arsenal right now, or like there's about like at least five teams right now that could use Navas right now. But we're like we're like number like eleven, so yeah. But um, but uh, uh. The area that, that's near and dear to Karthik's heart, that and uh, the other MLS team I wanted to uh, get on was uh, Inter Miami. Uh, there was an article that came out in the Athletic. Uh, see, baby. <laughs> uh, that came out this past week, and basically just putting uh, their business out in the streets, uh, basically saying that uh, we created a brand, not a team. And um, I don't know if you had a chance to read that article yet. Um, but uh, basically, it's, it's saying that it's basically kind of like just outlining, especially in, in the past um, eight months is with uh, Inter Miami catching lines from the league. They were exposed for having basically five DPs on, on, on the team. Mind you, five DPs and still only finished like 12th. Now, mind you, you still with the playoffs, but that's the MLS. But you you basically weren't getting any bang for your buck for the amount of money that they were spending. 
Now, for someone that's, uh, you know, down there on, on a local level down there in South Florida, like, what what's the make of what's happening? I know at least from the outside looking in, it's like everything that was supposed to be hyped with Inter Miami really hasn't happened. Yeah, it's been it's been a disaster. And 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 in the interest of full disclosure for the viewers, I uh, worked for the rival team, if you want to call them that, in USL Miami FC, uh, which is still playing in USL, getting 500 people a game. I mean, that it, they they have taken that fan base, Inter-Miami, to their credit, and then previously worked for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, whose stadium Inter-Miami took. So um, have been in and around the teams, the lower division teams that, that they've competed with. I, um, I, I think it's really interesting. What happened is they came out – determined to be kind of this cool hip sort of fashion brand mm-hmm. and the early hires they made I, I paul mcdonough left um atlanta united where those of us who followed things closely like you guys knew he wasn't calling the shots darren eels calls the shots carlos bocanegra has a lot of influence on the player side mcdonough much, yeah 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 too much now i would agree um but so McDonald was getting credit for the first year at, at Atlanta United when it, it was Eels and Bocanegra that um, that built that team, and really it was the fact that you had the right coach, right? So I had pointed out to everybody, look, the McDonough I had I had dealt with was at Orlando City when I was around that team, okay. and he had been brought in the at the end of the USL uh, run when the team was moving to MLS and had really made a mess out of the salary cap, had signed guys from a specific agency who were represented by specific agents. Yes, he drafted Kyle Aaron, but I think anyone would have made that pick. Although, actually, you know, they could have picked Jack Harrison, as it turns out, <laughs> instead of him. So, um, but that, whatever the case, Kyle Aaron was a good pick, but everything else was wrong. And... Miami then makes the decision uh, to go ahead and bring McDonough in. McDonough then brings in the same people that he uh, had worked with in Orlando. He didn't get anyone to leave Atlanta. He got Nikki Budelik, and he got, uh, obviously, Jason Christ. And even on the the front office side, a bunch of people who had worked in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And then you saw some of the same agency things happening where um, they were so focused on the, on the business side and the fashion brand that they had let uh, the people on the football side, on the soccer side, make the same mistakes cap-wise and in terms of going out and trying to sign um, big-name DPs without actually managing the cap, the same thing that happened in Orlando. So in Orlando, they brought in Kaká and they brought in a couple of other DPs to first year and were over the cap, and then went out and tampered with Dom Dwyer when he was at Kansas City still. Mm. Um, and Yeah, and so what happened in that situation was um, they, had, they had tampered with Dwyer. Vermees reported uh, Orlando to the league, and um, Orlando had to pay a fine, and so that was on McDonough's watch. The next thing McDonough did, and he got fired around that time in Orlando, was they uh, there was a player uh, whose name escapes me, but DC United had a had a uh, discovery claim on him. Mm-hmm. Orlando starts negotiating with him. Now, I mean, these are all these strange MLS rules, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh, it was Antonio Notorino who was at uh, who had been at Roma and had been at Milan. Okay. 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 Yeah. So. As it turns out, 
DC doesn't doesn't want them. They had the discovery claim, but Orlando ended up having to fork over um, a draft pick to DC to get the rights, which uh, angered the folks in Orlando, and they signed Notorino anyway. But that was um, that was the, kind of the last straw for McDonough. So I've told people down here this was the track record with McDonough in in Orlando. Never mind what happened in Atlanta where he wasn't actually calling the shots. The media down here was so desperate for this thing to be successful and so desperate uh, to kind of get a piece of David Beckham that mm-hmm. none of them talked about it. And in fact, one of the people, there might even be a paper trail of this on Twitter, told me that I was wrong about McDonough. He was actually a cap genius. He'd figured out how to get all these guys <laughs> into this inter-Miami team. Actually, actually I, I remember that um, that being like, being like his label. Like like yeah. he, like when he was here in, in Atlanta, it was like, like, he's, like he's the cap guy. Like that's... He knows how to work work the money. Well, he, had blown, he had blown the cap up in Orlando. I mean, they, 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 there was all this damage. Orlando was was there was basically a joke, right? We know we know this, um, but I would argue that part of Orlando's problem, even in sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, under Jason Christ and with uh, um, the yeah, front office people who cycled through at the time, was that they inherited a bad cap situation from McDonough, which didn't get, which wasn't clear until uh, late 2016, early 2017. Atlanta's mm-hmm. first year in MLS was when you realize, oh my gosh, Orlando can't sign anyone uh, because of their cap situation. Um, yeah, he had the label of a cap genius. So anyway, the point being, I had kind of warned a few of the, the writers down here, uh, two, two in particular, hey, McDonough's got a bad reputation. I don't know how you get Matuidi and Iguain, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, obviously not Federico, yeah. uh, under the in, on the same expansion team, uh, let alone a, uh, an MLS team that's uh, that that's full throttle. And I um, want to say this. And, I was just going to say this. Miami yeah, yeah. perfectly fits my name of me calling them Cocaine FC because they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? Like, like, like when when they signed my, my Tweety, like it was. Um, I remember that they like they're like it's, it's not going to be a DP DP. I was like, how? how? Like, he yeah. won the World Cup. He started in the World Cup final. <laughs> how is that possible? I'm like, he's, it's not like he's like 38. It was like, hang on, like he's like 32, 33. I'm like, no, like, he's still getting. It might not be for a long deal, but he's still getting DP money. Like that, that's gotta gotta happen. So how that managed to happen? I was like, yeah, like that that had that had to be like a huge red flag, like. And for those, for those, of course, the fallout finally came uh, this year, where um, the team was uh, was fined two hundred fifty thousand um, uh, dollars. Paul McDonough was expen- was suspended from the league up through the end of next year, um, and now like uh, two of their owners are looking to sell their stakes. So, you know, like it's funny because like uh, you have. Beckham, who's essentially like the public face of the team, because that's brand Beckham and everything. But of course, behind him is 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 the, is the rich villain, <laughs> so to speak, and in uh, um, Jorge Mas making my case for Cocaine FC. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> behind 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 every good guy, behind every villain is is the, is the evil rich supervillain. Like, trust me, I get it. I completely get it. Look, but uh, look, but yeah, David Beckham is the Shell Corporation that they just use for tax purposes. That's all he's there for. Oh God! 
I, I, I can't I can't dispute that. I can't. I can't. But uh I think that um you know Would it shock you in five years we found out Inner Miami was smuggling drugs into the country? No. No. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean because like especially considering that there's so many they're they're linked to so many um foreign players and you know, you because Beckham has his connections and everything, and of course, it's, it's already Miami. Like, Carly can tell there's there's, the country somewhere. there's there's so many former players who live down in the Miami and South Florida oh, area, yeah. and it's I, I, I can't. So, I can't so this it. is actually uh, uh, speaking of Arsenal. I mean, I go to an amateur game in Palm Beach uh, a couple months ago, and Justin Hoyt just shows up at the game. Um, you know, former Arsenal Middlesbrough player, and he's just mm. hanging out. I mean, that's that's, and he comes to an amateur game, right? A, a Division Four game. That's how many guys are in this area. And I mean, Maldini's here all the time, and uh, all, all of these kind of Ita- uh, European players, Italian players, and English players in particular. So um, there was there was a lot of talent you could have drawn from for front office experience, even or, or just um, uh, things that would have helped the organization. Also, the 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 role of Marcelo uh, Clore has to be talked about because he um, he had originally tried to bring a team here in 2008 an MLS was, team here and that was when I was working for the previous version of Miami FC that was was that was that, the, was that the Barcelona uh, that was a Barcelona deal right and okay. and he okay. pulled out um, then he took uh, Beckham to a playoff game when uh, in 2013 a, a Heat playoff game when. Uh, uh, when obviously LeBron and, and D Wade and, and Bosch were on the team, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was this this series against uh, was that a year against San Antonio? I think it was a series yeah. against San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. So he took him he took him uh, to the game, and that's when kind of he sold Beckham on the idea of putting a team here. Um, and then Clare uh, is now the CEO of SoftBank, and apparently, I mean, the rumor in town is that he's the guy that actually reported. To Garber, uh, as one of the co-owners who wants to get out now and had actually brought Beckham into this whole thing, he's the guy who snitched to the league about Matuidi's situation. Wow! And the housing, wow. and he's one of the owners who now wants Brother to get out, and he's been trying to get involved in this for fifteen years. It's crazy. It, that's that's wild. Like when you think about it, because um, especially I think um, I forget like what year. You need to write another version of the ten crack. Com- Ten crack commandments, but just do it for Inner Miami. These are ten rules that you cannot do. But um, it's interesting, like because like I remember, like I'm not sure if it was like right around the same time Miami was announced, but like there was a, um, a hearing in Vegas for to get the stadium in, in Vegas to, to get approved, and and Beckham was uh, he uh, he went out there and vouched um, for like on behalf of one of the um, one of the casino owners and just so happens that like as of the past few weeks, it looks like Vegas is becoming more and more of a likely option to replace Sacramento um, as team 30 for, um, for MLS. I said, it's funny, like how all these things just interweave They're They're really, it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of wild, but, um, but it's, yeah. It's, and, and that, that's uh Mm. That that, oh, that, that yeah. actually, uh, sorry to cut you off. That kind of um, set off this this set of rumors that that uh, 
Beckham was going to dump Miami and go to Vegas uh, when he he went to that meeting about the the Allegiant Stadium, and it turned out yeah. um, it it uh, wasn't the case. But now Wes Edens, who owns Aston Villa, owns the Bucks, right? Won the championship with the Bucks. Uh, NBA championship has done great with Aston Villa and spent a lot of money on that team. He's now looking at uh, MLS in Vegas. I, I mean, I wonder uh, what um, what Beckham does eventually. I mean, if he if he uh, as as a co-owner mm. of the league, right, does he invest in that Vegas team and then this team gets sold to someone else um, or or Moss buys him out. I, I've been thinking about that the last few days that that maybe that happens uh, eventually. Although this season Beckham allegedly had taken more of a role in in the player side, and that's how you get Phil Neville as the coach. That's how you mm-hmm. get um, Ryan Shawcross and Kieran Gibbs and all these guys he knows here. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's something going on with him and Edens and and Garber with uh, with Vegas. Now I I don't know if he knows Edens, but Edens is a Premier League owner. He is mm-hmm. an NBA owner, and Beckham runs around in, in both those circles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I, I hate that uh, Las Vegas villain's name, even though it kind of fits with Raiders. It kind of does. But, uh, all I know is it seems too easy, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Like when you, you think about that, it does. But out by the same time, it means that you gotta go silver and black. You, you, like because yeah. Claire, Claire and blue in Vegas, just no. They're, like you, it's not enough neon in in um in in Burgundy for that to work. But uh, the one was last thing, uh, of course, to kind of tie this all up. Um, of course, the, the big news that came a few months back was uh, MLS and um, and some. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, some MLS and uh, U.S. soccer splitting. And uh, tell us about like what that means for the future of of uh, basically the soccer and, and for domestic TV. Yeah, so now the, the packages are going to be separate. Uh, currently, and for the last several cycles or right cycles, you've had the U.S. men, U.S. women, and MLS all packaged together and bundled and sold to broadcasters. So ESPN and Fox and Univision have the rights now, and they have the rights to all of those, uh, all of those properties because it was all bundled together. Now what's going to happen is U S soccer has taken back their rights. So U S soccer will sell on their own, the men's and women's national team rights. I assume they'll sell those together. They could still split those, but they probably sell those together. And then MLS is on their own. Although MLS might have um, a, 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 a lower division, MLS uh, uh, a Division Three league that they're going to launch that could be part of that package. The right cycle is up in 2022, the current package. Mm-hmm. So the thinking is beginning this November, around the same time as the Premier League thing is going on, there's going to be negotiations uh, with potential partners. The Some of the speculation has been that um, – there is a, a, a real interest from um, streaming, pure streaming partners for, for MLS. So whether it's, um, and this is where that whole idea of Amazon Prime comes in again, uh, whether it's Amazon Prime taking a piece of the streaming rights for ML, MLS, the non-national TV games, right? The national mm-hmm. TV games probably still end up on ESPN or Fox or CBS, right? CBS is potentially involved in that. But will we see something like what we see in the NWSL where uh, CBS uh, is the broadcast partner? They show games on CBS over the air. They show games on CBS Sports Network. There are a certain number of games that are on Paramount Plus 
uh, as part of that CBS deal. The rest of the NWSL game matches are on Twitch as a separate mm. kind of exclusive streaming partner. Um, okay. So the thinking is, and that's obviously a U.S. league, a women's league that's done that. The thinking is maybe MLS does that. They keep with ESPN or Fox or whoever. Uh, they give ESPN, let's say it's ESPN, they still give them a piece of what they have now on Plus, which is um, they have all the uh, out-of-market games. They have every USL game on Plus, right? Mm-hmm. So um, in USL, uh, USL being on Plus, that might with MLS starting this new league to compete with USL, which they've announced, uh, we'll see how successful it is. But with that new Division oh, Three league, <laughs> yeah. I was waiting on, I was waiting on that. Yeah. So, but will they? Will they? Would they actually want to keep the rights for that league on the same um, um, uh, same streaming platform as USL's on if they're trying to compete with them? Who knows? But. Um, they, they might split the, the streaming piece off and give part of the streaming piece to Prime the same way NWSL has given a piece to um, Twitch. And the NWSL deals were, were uh, negotiated by Octagon, who is a media uh, company. So that's the potential there. Uh, there is a lot of talk, uh, which I don't necessarily believe because Fox seems fairly committed to MLS. But there is a, a fair amount of talk that Fox would just drop MLS and go all in on the U.S., Try and get all the U.S. games, uh, both men's and women's, which I don't know the Federation, if that's in their best interest. They'd probably still want to have some games on ESPN uh, just for the, the, the window that ESPN gives you and then on C- CBS. Although I guess CBS has the CONCACAF rights, so the CONCACAF Nations League games will all be on CBS. But yeah. games that us actually controls the rights for um, is what we're talking about. Now, for those of y'all who, who saw the uh, the Concacaf Nations League finals, semifinals on back in uh, late June, uh, of course, like we we saw what they gave with the UEFA Champions League and Europa League. Like I think that they actually added an, an, another wrinkle with how they covered the um, the the uh, Concacaf Nations League. Of course, the incident with Anya um, would notwithstanding, but. I think that uh, I think there's a different energy there that MLS kind of needs, and I think and kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier with EPL, I think that CBS becomes a, a major player in, in, in the sense that right now these leagues need energy, and I think that CBS yeah. is providing that in spades, and I think how it relates to the MLS, I definitely think that that they. Oh, especially with uh, CBS losing the SEC, it makes all the sense in the world for, for them to use those Saturdays as an anchor for MLS uh, um, on, on CBS. Hopefully, they'll, they'll carry um, NWSL along with that, but I definitely see MLS uh, playing a, a, a huge role in that. And then from there, I, 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 can, I can see Fox... To me, Fox has always kind of been like pro U.S. soccer uh, in, in yeah. a, lot of, a lot of ways. So, like, it won't really shock me. At least if, if they keep a deal going in through the World Cup, because like I know you've you've mentioned a lot on your on um, on your podcast how they've largely gotten out of out of the club game, and it's pretty much just been uh, international soccer. Like, even though they they still randomly show Canadian Premier League, which is cool. 
I'm glad that, that it's, yeah. it's, it's but, it, but it's so it's so mass it's so mad random. It's like yeah, oh, and then they showed, they showed an occasional Liga MX game, and they ended up showing a couple of legs of the Liga MX playoffs in the spring, which was just random. You didn't expect to see them on FS1, so yeah. you're not prepared for it. So that that's like very re- weird, right? And the the Canadian the Can PL games are also kind of kind of random, but yeah, I so random, but, but agree that Fox has always been kind of very big into promoting U.S. soccer. I like what you're saying about CBS because I think there's a younger. Oh, sorry, I was going to say there's a younger millennial audience, mm-hmm. and there is a. Uh, a, a younger African-American audience with MLS and the Premier League in this country need to connect with. It seems like CBS is more equipped uh, with how they're covering things to connect with that audience. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, more commitment to it because I think the, the problem is Fox's production levels, I think, are terrible uh, compared to other networks. And then ESPN has great production, but they're just not committed to the property, right? They, right. they, they throw on games at random times. Like we said, the Atlanta-Columbus game, they didn't promote. And um, that's 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 a problem. But the, the only reason why they would stay with ESPN is just because it's ESPN. It's otherwise, ESPN. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they probably would be strongly considering leaving it. But I definitely think that like what what CBS is delivering as far as like their studio coverage and everything is definitely an energy that I think MLS can definitely take advantage of, um, especially from a TV perspective. Because of course, I, I'm a big believer like. You still have to have a TV product to anchor whatever it is that they're presenting. So, like, you don't get more viewers to watch Brazil and Argentina and Scotland if you don't have Champions League and MLS. So, yeah. I think I think that um, in, in in the long run, that's where um, they should end up. And um, yeah, I definitely think that that um, as far as the national team deal goes, I of course you know. We we haven't like really even gone into like the whole political side of U.S. soccer and just how <laughs> and how that's a whole how, podcast in itself. Yeah, that's a whole show. <laughs> we've already gone like two hours. Like, trust me, we could go another just in that alone. But like, just the, the separation of of church and state is definitely, I think, will be good here. So oh, I I kind of just leave leave it at that. But um, but yeah, uh, I hopefully. Like I think the word for this this episode is, is granular because like there's a lot of details that's been going on, but at the same time, for everyone that's kind of looking for you know where to find your league, it's a good it's a good chance that it's on a streaming service of some kind, and if it's not, uh, I'm pretty certain that Paramount Plus or ESPN Plus is going to get it soon. Um, I just want to give a, a quick shout out before we go up to up to down to LAFC. All our supporters who came out here to Atlanta uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Tigers, Expos, um, Dish, uh, District Ultras, like they came out here to Atlanta. Like uh, shout out to um, Footy Mob who who definitely kind of just invited them in and you know gave them. I thought I had beef with them. That's where I that's, thought I was really that's, that's, that's that's resurgence. I, I I I got nothing to do with that. But like that's just <laughs> support <laughs> drama that, that that that's just. Crazy, but um, they actually came down here early. They came out because uh, uh, we uh, played them on, um, I think it was the Sunday before last, and so like they 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 were they were getting in like Thursday, 
and we uh they're they're got to uh got to hang out with them on friday um uh, a little bit saturday and then of course sun sunday like they actually had like a whole section in the, in the 300s like blacked out like it was all lafc like so it was actually pretty cool to see court of course, given how shitty the, the acoustics are in the bins, some people only heard them and not, and not the Atlanta supporters, but, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of is what it is there. But uh, I just want to give a shout-out to us. So, um, there we go. Uh, shout-out to uh, um, Monty, is, uh, the LA Wanderer on um, on Twitter. Gave me this uh, uh, Samoan uh, scarf. And um, I say, if you see this on, on Twitter, of course, I'll post it on the socials and everything. But, yeah, this thing is absolutely gorgeous. And, like, it's, it's, it's far too dope for, for what I deserve. And, um, <laughs> but, yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to uh, Tigers who, yo, Tigers, they're, they're Korean supporters group. We, that's uh, them right here. Like, yeah, they're, they're beyond cool. But, um yeah, shout out to everybody that came out. I know uh, um, Doug from um, from uh, Rose Room Collective. Uh, he came down. Of course, Jake from um, Black Fires. He came down. Um, you know, so like it was good to kind of, uh, of course, break bread with, with Jake again and to meet Doug. Hopefully, more of a uh, Rose Room will um, come down uh, whenever we play DC again. Of course, we might beat them again like we did last week. But um, I just want to give a quick shout out to, um, to everybody who did who did that. There was one last thing. Of course, my my video isn't working, but I want to get, go ahead and you get a jump on on Twitter to down Puma's new third kits. Um, talk about man, that's ain't hot trash. Next, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was hoping to play the video of the guy from Fenerbahce who scored his name uh, Mohammed um, uh, Gumaskaya. He was trying to kiss his badge, but then he realized on the third kit there's there's no crest, <laughs> so. You know, he, he was like, what, 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 what's going on? I can't know where it is. Whoever, like, for Puma to have done such a great job with their kids last year to come out with this hot garbage this year, it's just, uh, honestly, it's unfortunate. I mean, oh, man. you I, know. I don't hit, no, no, there's nothing positive to speak about Puma. Because how the hell a three ass fit like a goddamn speedium? <laughs> it could be it could be Kappa. It could be Kappa. Because, my, mind you, I... I for those of y'all who haven't seen the new um, Benezia uh, Serie A jerseys, they switched over from Nike to Kappa. If you ever tried Kappa, you know that you basically, if you like anything over 200 pounds, you probably need a 5X. So, yeah. But uh, Macron Kappa, also with that. Yeah. Macron is uh, another one. Yule is another one. <laughs> but um, they're the big guys, man. They don't. They don't. And trust me, like this COVID, this COVID's weight is real, man. I'm, um, I got some new glasses. I'm trying to get my health together. But yeah, like basically, Kappa said, if you, if you, you need to get fit or shut up because you're not wearing our jerseys. But um, but yeah, um. I know we were we are running like I said. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed it. Like I said, like this is a, some some good stuff with our man Cardic and Yogi. Uh, you got any um, new stuff coming up on? Uh, can I kick it uh, coming up, Yogi? Um. So now, right now, we're on a little bit of a break because the kicker season is going on. Um, and doing two podcasts in the middle of a season is very tough to do. Um, so, but yeah, he, he wasn't have having that today. You can follow us. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> um I did put out a tweet today on Can I Kick a Twitter page. We will be coming back in November. We have a couple of interviews lined up. We are getting back into our deep dives 
And then we're also going to have a new segment um, podcast, which, you know, you might roll out. It's called uh, What Ifs of Soccer. So pretty much taking big moments in soccer and thinking about what if this happened? How could this happen? So, like, I'll give you an example of one that we're going to do. Um, back in the 2018 World Cup, Chelsea sold Thibaut Courtois to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And pretty much we were just thinking, like, what if Hugo Lloris won that um, Golden Glove instead of Thibaut Courtois? Okay. Because Spurs sell Hugo Lloris to Real Madrid, and then what happens to Thibaut Courtois? So kind of like that. And, uh, no, they would. Yeah, they would so still gonna. We're, we're gonna be rolling those out. They still would try to go after um, De Gea. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just so many what ifs of what happened, man. So th- those are the little things we're gonna be talking. about. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, of course, uh, <laughs> like y'all have been doing World Soccer Talk for like what, 10, 15 years. Like it's been like ages. Yeah, uh, 2006 is when I started with Chris. Chris started it in 2005. Yeah, so 15 years for me and and longer for him, 16 years. Wow. Yeah, definitely if you haven't done so already, uh, make sure you check uh, World Soccer Talk. Of course, they they cover a lot of stuff that we talked about this week on a weekly basis. And lo and behold, there is stuff that goes on a lot in TV. TV business when it comes to soccer, so definitely if you haven't done so already, make sure that you uh, that you uh, get in debt. And, um, you'll learn a lot as far as like how this whole business works because it's a lot. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's uh, let's get up in this uh, wrap it up with a uh, two up to ice. Let's just let's, let's, it's been a while. Let's just do one up one now. Like it's it's, it's, it's getting late and I'm hungry, <laughs> so yeah. But um, hold on. Oh wait. Ta-da. There you go. Oh, I'm first. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes, you. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, one up, one down. I got my one up, of course. Um, my Richmond kickers are in the playoff races. So for those who don't know, I'm a huge Richmond kickers fan. Um, he, he, he's, he's an underboss. He's an underboss. Like, don't, 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 don't let him downplay it, man. <laughs> no, man. Like, so I'm one of the few people that ever find that finds an enjoyment in lower league soccer. This is all across the world, but I will. I probably watch more USL League One than MLS games, and that's very odd. Um, but yeah, we're in the playoff race. If you didn't know, USL League One, every team from third to seventh is on 24 points. Toronto FC two, Richmond and Greenville. All have six wins, six draws, and six losses. So it's tight as hell. Um, and there's only 10 games left. So the next 10 games is pretty much going to determine what's happened. And it's been five years since Richmond's been in the playoffs. And for those who don't know, Richmond is one of the most prestigious, like, lower league teams yep. in American soccer. So it's been five years since we've been in the playoffs. It's been 10 years since we won a proper trophy. It's time. It's time. Um, my one down is going to be about MLS and the Bulls BS that they did kind of today with this whole uh, black talk and just the whole direction of it. Who was it was very I understand what they was trying to do. I understand that they're trying to be more open and have these conversations, which is great. Fine. Like, I'm not denying that. It's just my only question is, who was the audience for? Because all of the guys on the stage were investors, and it didn't really. 
Grego just sneezed. Uh, I, th- I, th- I thought y'all didn't hear that, my bad. <laughs> it didn't make any sense about who was, who who were they talking to? It was kind of just like, we need to invest our money, but no one was well, really where? the question. But where? <laughs> where? Or also like, you know, it's very hard to have invest your money into something when one, you're not at the table to see the recipients of that money. There's no black ownership majority black ownership yes you have athletes but there's no black owner owning a team mm-hmm. and there's only two black head coaches both of those that are non-african american it just seems like mls and i'm not saying they're doing this but it just comes across as like hey guys we're going to do this on surfer levels but we're not really going to tell you how we're going to go about implementing it it, it, it was weird because like we we watched a little bit of it um uh, earlier today and yeah, it's just like, who are you talking to? And then it's like, there really wasn't a lot of talk as far as improving access to the game. Cause like, that's kind of like what, yeah. you know, like everyone wants to hear. Of course, we, we, sh- I'm like, oh, this is why we're not in LA right now. Cause of course, we, the All Star game is out this week. You'll probably hear by the time this episode drops. But it, they have cool events and everything. But at the same time, like this kind of stuff, it, it just feels empty. And that's, it's that's just, disappointing. It's just the kind of things of like MLS is not hard. I, I hate when people give these leagues and these teams and even supporters groups like these built in excuses like, oh, they're trying or, you know, they're they're doing things outside of the box. Like, no, they're not. They're literally doing comfy, cookie cutter stuff. It's, how hard would it have been for MLS to reach out to five prominent black media Writers, I can give you one in Nashville that, yeah, Drake, uh huh, and, and getting five blacks. You know, you could have gotten in a couple of supporters, you could have gotten in a couple of players that are part of the Black Players for Change initiative, and kind of just had like a whole collective and be like, Look, we know we haven't been doing things right, we know we're not doing things at the forefront. What can we do? Yeah. Also, the thing is, a lot of these MLS teams in the South are in HBCU markets. How hard would it have been for them to be like, you know what? All right, we're going to pair with some local HBCUs, Howard, Morehouse, Savannah State, FAMU, Bethune Cuffman, um, and just be like, yo, we're going to give a, a, a scholarship or give some of these media departments, you know, a chance to come into our MLS programs and work. Hello. That's like, that's actually doing something. Not just, we're going to have a talk with a whole bunch of investors that nobody knows and not make it clear who our audience is. <laughs> but what do I know? Yeah. I mean, who knows what they want to do, but it, it's uh, it's a mess. Uh, so, you see how this works, Card? You're going to give us a shot. Yeah. I, I am going to uh, uh, say that, it, that one of the best teams I've seen in the lower division soccer was the two, 2013 Richmond Kickers team who promptly lost in the playoffs. So, <laughs> that's uh, one of the problems with playoffs. I, I, and I, I don't remember the last time Richmond actually won the playoff title, but in 2013, they were the best team in the USL. And that was uh, – 2013, uh, I think that's also the year we got – we beat – uh, Kansas City. The yeah, in the Open Cup. Right. You know, that was a great team. Lee Collishaw had and just kind of it, it one game and it fell apart in the playoffs, which happens. Yeah, um, yeah so one, one up, West Ham United. 
how good have they been <laughs> these first two weeks of the Premier League season under David Moyes? And love, uh, love the way uh, Benarama, who, who I really liked at Brentford a lot, the way he's he's kind of fit in to uh, that team. He didn't really fit in last season, uh, but he's playing the Jesse Lingard role now, so he looks phenomenal. And obviously, Antonio. Uh, we'll see if Mikel Antonio uh, gets his Jamaican passport in place for Jamaica. That's a, a exciting prospect in CONCACAF. I, I hope he does. I hope he plays for Jamaica instead of England. So real quick, I don't yeah. know if you saw it or not, but Premier League just released their heart zone list of players that can go back. Oh, right, and Jamaica's yeah. on that list. That's right. And by so this is the – I'm not only a U.S. M&T national team supporter, I'm also a Jamaican national team supporter because I have Jamaican in my blood. My biggest fear is that Mikel Antonio is going to go on a hot streak. He's not going to play for Jamaica, and then Gary is going to be like, "No, they want it there." Yeah, because he was waiting for his passport. Otherwise, he would have been at the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that'd be terrible. So Antonio's been great. Oh, that that would be a terrible break if uh, if he uh, if he. Uh, um, isn't able to play for Jamaica, and Jamaica misses out on qualifying in this kind of weakened CONCACAF right now because of that. Um, because Leon Bailey now is going to be fit. So if you have Bailey and Antonio together, I think you got a shot to be in that top three or four mm. in, in the octagonal. Sometimes, man. Yeah. So so one up is West Ham. The one down is the is COVID here in Florida. I mean, it's just – it's it's scary. As everybody who sees me on Twitter knows how I'm feeling about it. And uh, my hope is that it doesn't infect now um, the sport landscape. We have had a ton of high school football games already canceled uh, coming into uh, high school football season. Uh, we've got, obviously, college football season starting. Uh, you mentioned the historic uh, the HBCs with Bethune-Cookman and, and FAMU concerned about their seasons and their non-conference games. And then same thing, obviously, with uh, um, with uh, Florida, Florida State and Miami and UCF, uh, et cetera. So how it will impact them. And then on the soccer side with us, uh, there is uh, um, concern that um, that it might impact Orlando and Inter-Miami and MLS and Tampa Bay and Miami FC and USL and Fort Lauderdale CF in, in, in your league, in, in USL League One. Uh, as we get down the stretch, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope we can continue to play safely. But if there's one place where we're not going to be able to play safely in this country, it's in Florida, unfortunately. Or Texas yeah. also, right, Texas? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I – the the Santos is, is a joke, but yeah, a complete joke. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, a joke that, joke is being generous. That's an understatement. Very much so. Very much so. I, 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 I it makes you glad that I, that I am in Georgia. That's and that's in a lot. That's in a whole <laughs> lot. Thank goodness for Florida is what you're seeing in Georgia now. <laughs> right. But um, I'll uh get up on this real quick. Um, the uh. My first up, well, my one up is um, how can I put this? Um, actually, I just had it. I, 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 yeah, but um, honestly, it's, it's the home team. It's the home team because 
we actually look, look like like we're a halfway decent team again and it's it's been a while like it's been 84 years like i like honestly the, the crowds have been looking real suspect for like most of this year and for covid and because of results and like the energy is coming back so that's that's honestly it's been good to see the course like i just talked about with um with the lafc supporters uh that was just that fellowship was really dope to see because obviously you don't see that too often and i think there's just been like a, a long distance um appreciation for what they do and vice versa so that that part was cool um uh part of the the one down is just the mess that's happening right now with pulling out of uh, Afghanistan and just seeing there's no easy way to get out of there, but it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years. So I think that um, is there is never going to be an easy way to get out of there, but I just think that you're seeing like all the scenes of people just get begging and basically do whatever they can to get there, hanging on to, to the jets and shit. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like it's like it's a very dire situation over there. But um, and just to see like how the uh, Afghani government has basically just collapsed, like like in a snap. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, hopefully we get everyone that is trying to get out as safely as possible. Um, you know, it there there's there's no easy way on this, but it, I think that the end. You're talking about like so we're coming up on 20 years from 9/11, so at some point this had to stop. So, um, but yeah, hopefully, if you have loved ones in either the military or if you um, are or uh, have family um, from Afghanistan, like hopefully all your people uh, get get out safely and everything. But um, but yeah. Uh, so we, we've been going for a while now. Like I said, hopefully, like I said, y'all enjoyed this because like this is something I've been wanting to do for quite some time. Like so hopefully, whatever lead that you do follow, uh, you're able to uh, catch it on 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 whatever service that it's on. Uh, of course, uh, now that we're back up in in, uh, in the game, uh, of course you'll catch us every week on at FTC UTD on uh, your favorite podcast apps on YouTube uh, uh, on our YouTube channel. And I, I even do a for a plug. It's there, ftcutd.mytemple.com. Really, just buy the name sets right now. There's, there's new merch coming Labor Day weekend. Just go buy name sets, all that stuff. Buy and, the uh, name set. Trust me, I'm James of Fire. But uh, you, you haven't even done. You, you, where you gonna show no, no, me no, yours, no, no. man? Wait, what? I, have, I got. I haven't unveiled it yet. I'm waiting to the Henny Darby. Okay, which one? <laughs> October 16th, sir. Okay, okay. Look, but, I, I'm unveiling it then. Okay, all right. I so see you should get the rainbow, rainbow cookie one, but you know, so we'll see what's up with that. But um, yeah, hopefully, uh, Jersey, Jersey's bad luck. That's true. But um, yeah, hopefully, y'all enjoy this again. You can um, catch Kartik uh, and Chris on the World Soccer Talk podcast. You can catch Yogi, Can I Kick It, Rainbow 93. Um, yeah, yeah, like I said, we're glad to be back out here on these podcast airwaves. And there's, you know, as we warm up this Euro season, what can the people do as they watch their games this week? Cartier. They can enjoy their football. 
That's what I'm talking about. We'll see y'all soon, and we out. <laughs> F T C U T D.